0: Greetings Earthlings, we have now taken over your radio
1: Hello and welcome in to the Jayhawk Talk radio program I am Kevin Meckley, joined by Andrew Payne, Nick Schwert We got Chris Tanpenny behind the glass tonight Fellas, I got one thing to say since we started this here Jayhawk Talk radio program, our beloved Jayhawks are 1 and 0 in national titles one. And man, it feels good. Andrew, how does it feel to be at least partially responsible for this title run? Partially responsible, mm.
2: well without- that seems like a slight
1: What's the percentage that you think you personally contributed to this
3: run. I mean, I wouldn't say it's like a drop in the bucket. Okay. I would say like, man, we ran the faucet for a second. Okay, uh, I mean, this, this is, these are the things that Kansas fans look to. Like this is going to have to be a staple show because there has been uh, very few national championships with this uh, basketball program that have not had Jayhawk talk radio. And here it is. This is the signal.
2: Exactly. Think about today's social media climate and how quickly information can get spread. You know, we're sending tweets out about Jayhawk Talk Radio. You know the guys from the team maybe driving through Kansas City from time to time. They hear the show. They realize, wow, these guys are really passionate about the team. You know what? We should maybe play a little bit just harder, a little harder. Just a little bit so harder. So I think it's more than just a slight effect on this team. I want to take a good amount of, of responsibility for what
1: happened. Well, this the other season. part of it, we know... The coaching staff listens to every word of this. That's true. So whenever we have an idea, you know, Hey, you should give the ball to Dave some more or, mm-hmm. or <laughs> <You> don't <laughs> you remember play, how often we were saying that play Remy Martin, like whatever, like whatever it was, you know, our, our basketball analysis made its way into a national championship run.
3: Let's just say this. Let's be glad that they did not listen to us. And did not <laughs> listen to our analysis or listen to any of the fan analysis because we would have been robbed of the second coming in Dave McCormick Mm. and we'll get to Dave McCormick. I'm sure Dave McCormick's name is going to come up a lot in the next three hours, the next
2: three years, the next three decades. Are you kidding me?
3: Dave has cemented himself in the lore of Jayhawk basketball. That goes back to 1900 to, to the 1800s. Dave McCormick has now etched himself in stone because Dave McCormick is now one of the most important players in the history of this program.
2: It's going to be a difficult story to tell our grandkids, but there was this guy.
3: So there was this thing called Twitter and and people didn't like him on Twitter, but then he got really good at the end and he played two really great games like that's, and they won't, they won't understand. A lot of people don't understand, but you listening at home, you understand what were your
1: thoughts on Dave before? And what are your thoughts on Dave now? They have probably changed a little bit. I've always been a pretty strong defender of Dave is what he is. You take it all the way back. That doesn't mean I've always said Dave needs to be the guy who gets the ball. Yeah, what exactly is that? I didn't say that Dave is the guy you want to go to in clutch situations, or maybe even that he deserves to be on the floor at all situations.
2: No, in fact, you and I had a conversation, I think, at the beginning of this regular season. Oh, gosh. I don't remember this. Okay, so this was on my podcast, and we talked about late game situations and I think this may have even been after like the Emporia state exhibition game. Do you guys remember this where oh, Remy yeah, Martin just went off yeah, yeah. and you had brought up the fact that last year, the offense was so bad by Kansas standards that David McCormick was the go to guy in late game situations. David McCormick was the yeah. guy taking 15 shots a game. And he said, Going to David McCormick in a post-up to win the game is not the way that, that you want to be playing basketball. That's not the way you God, play championship basketball. Nah, I'm that, paraphrasing bro. a bit nah, here, but that was the great. general message. <laughs> and here we saw Bill Self go. And that, that moment happened in slow motion for me. And I swear to you, I swear to you, watching that game in my dad's basement and seeing they went to Dave, and I go, okay, he's going up with this shot against Brady Manic. And it was all happening in slow motion for me. I go, oh my God, they're right back to where they were over a year ago, going to David McCormick with the game on the line
3: to win the national title, to
2: win the national freaking championship." It was the right
1: Spoiler call alert. It was the right call based on all the situation that you know, game and score time and score situational. It would all made sense, but still you're right. It, at the end of the day, it was Dave McCormick taking the final shot and just, as you said, Andrew, solidifying his place in history.
3: He was not named the most outstanding player. Travesty. And I, I haven't met anyone, including Ochayabaji who thinks that it should have been <laughs> Ochayabaji.
2: So we'll get into that in a bit because there may be controversy and, and perhaps even a conspiracy involved with it. But I want to dive a little bit deeper into the game itself. KU was down by 15 at halftime, but even before that, things were getting out of hand pretty quickly. Was there a moment, be honest, this is a safe space, was there a moment, not where you just got nervous, but where you outright said, it's not happening, this team is not winning this game. Did you ever throw in the towel at any point?
3: Throwing the towel, no. But did I think we were going to lose? Oh yeah. Yeah. Halftime. Ha- halftime. It just—it's so rare to come back like that. Now we've seen it. We saw it this this yeah. year against K State, which was kind of a magical game in that second half, where we came back in, in Manhattan. Like, can you do it twice? We did it twice. But I
1: d- at halftime, yeah, I was in a pretty dark place, Nick. <laughs> pretty dark. I am right there with Andrew on this. It was a. Did I, did I think we were going to win? No, I did not. But did, was there a loss of any hope? Absolutely not. Because not a week ago, we saw them blow a 25 point lead. The same team is very capable of blowing massive leads. It was a lot bigger lead than this one. So yeah, I I think, and they were tired very clearly. You know, they, they were drained. Their dudes were throwing up in the corner. Like they, we, we had, we had the, the, probably every advantage other than the score in that second half. And that's what coaching, fresher legs, whatever it was. Uh, And that's the thing that, you know, if we came out hot early and not even making threes, just came out and and cut into 10 or something, you know, make it interesting. And then as we saw, they made it interesting, very fast,
3: very fast. I mean, at, at halftime, when you're going to win the game, it all comes down to X's and O's. Can you make shots? Can you guard somebody? But there was a story that they could tell themselves that, one, they have been there before and come back from this situation recently, and two, North Carolina has given up a huge lead in the second half before. That story existed, so we had that little, tiny, tiny kernel of hope. So,
2: flip side of that conversation, at what point, or was there ever a point, where you said this team is going to win this game. Not they're just back in it. They're going to win the game. They're going to win the national championship.
1: When we were up six after the run, and we came all the way back and roared ahead, had every piece of momentum. It felt a lot like that Miami run where they were just completely dead in the water. Was
2: there a like, play? Was it a, was it a
1: play? It was a, did it? was it the, I'm trying to remember now. I've I haven't rewatched it seven times like some people uh in the room. But it was the, when Wait, they how got, are you guys rewatching it by the way?
3: CBS Sports Network? Yeah. And I've recorded it.
1: Yeah, I recorded it.
2: You guys send it to me? Yeah. Okay, thanks. It's like
1: te- we use TiVo. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. It's this <just> new technology. <laughs> yeah. You can record you just television. Record television shows. <laughs> I know. I know. I hit, I hit R on the V C R dang just uh, no look, it it was it was up six because it was it felt like exactly like the Miami game where you okay, there's no, they're done. Like there's no way they can respond from this. And to their credit, they did respond to this, but that's where I felt probably the most confident, uh, literally up until the buzzer, because everything after that was back to
3: scary. If I had to point to one moment, and I said this yesterday on the drive is when North Carolina had the big mental mistake of getting uh, or doing the turnover on the inbound under their own basket or under the KU basket. So, there, everything was going so well. And when you make a mistake like that, it shows that you're a little frazzled, mm-hmm. you're a little frustrated, and you don't have your mind on basketball. And I thought that when we saw that opening, that, you know, we could win this game. The, the sequence
2: that I will always remember is the Remy corner three, Dewan Harris steals the ball yeah. at half court. Oh, yeah. yeah. Backup, uh, Jalen Wilson, and one free throw. Actually makes his layup. So that was a big <laughs> and one free throw hits the and that that was the moment where I said KU is not losing this game.
3: Very familiar to the Sharon call the bucket on the in 20, mm-hmm. 20, 2008, Uh bucket. We have a three. Sharon steals it, gets in the corner, makes another three. We're yep. down. Or I mean, it's it's close at that yep. point. It's about a minute and a half left. Very similar, like steal on their side of the court, quick bucket. Then
1: you're back in it. That's all you need. You just got to get back in it. So back to the halftime speech for one quick second, because since you mentioned, oh wait, self reportedly said at halftime, you know, apparently he lit into him a little bit uh, (laughs) to start and then said, guys, would you rather be down 15 at half or nine with two twelve to go? And he said, you know, they all said 15 at half. And he's like, well, we're golden then. We did We did nine with 212 in 08. We're here. We're fine.
2: And it speaks to the mantra, and this has been written about, I think it was C.J. Moore who wrote about it, but we talked about this a little bit yesterday or last week when we said that this team sort of bought it in a way that we maybe haven't seen in, in years past. And Bill Self said at halftime that if we can't play good, we just need to make them play bad. And that was clearly – from the first possession where they forced a turnover and then they come down on the other end and that's what, where we saw the alley-oop to David McCormick. Huge. This team has embraced just making the other team play bad. Okay, we can't hit shots, there's a lid on the basket, then we are just going to make life hell on the opposing team and they did that for 20 minutes in the second half.
3: Could not have scripted those first couple minutes, first couple plays in the second half better. If you had to come out and say, this is what has to happen for us to win, it all happened according to plan it all happened perfectly. And then it became game. Then it became tied. We went up, they came back. And then it was a, you know, t- down the last 10 minutes. It was a basketball game and we were just a little bit better. We had that extra gear and I think North Carolina was
1: tired when we were not. Dwan Harris was 1 for 5 from the field with 2 points, 0 boards, 3 assists and 4 turnovers. But it felt like he was a massive cog to that to that run in the second half. His I mean, again, lockdown defense, three steals, creating possessions. Like that was one of those times where we did not have Remy on the court queuing the come to the start of the comeback. Now he played a key role because he made some threes. He got in and actually, you know, turned the game around making three threes. But that was that was an interesting because it, it almost felt like it was in phases. Like it was like the first few minutes was the, the erratic. We, you know, got the the dunk and steals and, other, and the second one was okay now. We're making some shots all of a sudden, turning them over. And the third one was, okay, now they're roaring back. And then the final act was, you know, trading buckets and and, and getting the, the Dave show. It's just, it, there was so much story there as it as it came back. It's just, you have to rewatch it three or four times to see it. It's, so, it's Shakespeare. It was in movements. It, it, right.
2: Absolutely. And there are some great images from that game, from that night, from this championship run. We're going to get into those coming up a little bit later. The voice of the Jayhawks, Brian Haney, I mean, talk about just being in the right place at the right time. Ochai Baji <laughs> running around looking for somebody to hug. It happened to be Greg Gurley and Brian Haney while he's making That's the game winning call. So we're going to talk to him about that moment. But coming up next, there's one guy living proof of a cliche that I'm sometimes tired of, but now I'll embrace it forever. I'll tell you what it is next. This is Jayhawk Talk Radio.
4: You're listening to Jayhawk Talk Radio with Kevin Meckley, Andrew Payne, and Nick Schwert on 610 Sports Radio.
3: The
2: voice of the Jayhawks, Brian Haney, is going to join the show Coming up here in about 10 minutes or so With Andrew Payne, Kevin Meckley We got dimes on the other side of the glass I am Nick Schwart And this is Jayhawk Talk Radio Championship edition For like three weeks in a row We wondered is this going to be our last episode? Is this going to be our last episode? <laughs> I can say with confidence and with happiness that this world will, will be our last episode, at least for a little while, unless you guys want to come back and do recruiting talk next week.
1: No, nah, I'm good. We <laughs> not a we got recruiting a
2: talk guy. We had a championship run. This is a championship run show. And this, this is a way to cap this season. This is a celebration show. And I think this is a celebration of one man in particular, big Dave McCormick who I believe is living proof of a cliche that I get so freaking tired of that legacies are made in March. It's a throwaway line. We say it all the time. Great regular season. This has been a great team, but ultimately your legacy is defined by what you do in March. I kind of get tired of hearing it. And then you see it play out in real time, two games in new Orleans, where for 80 minutes, David McCormick, well, maybe at least 40 to 60 minutes, he was the best player on the court. He was the number one reason why Kansas won a national championship down in New Orleans and for a guy who had one of the most interesting careers just based off play, based off of fan reaction, this love-hate relationship that was more hate than it was love a lot of times, for him, of all people, to be the guy who was clearly Kansas's best player in New Orleans, is such an incredible ending to a fascinating career at Kansas.
3: We knew he was good, but what did we keep saying? We kept saying, We're "Just waiting for it to happen." Like, "Oh, he got to get his got to get his foot rested up. Oh, let's rest Dave the second half of this game, and you know maybe he'll get better for March." And, you know, we we saw it because in February, or January, February last year in the Big 12, we saw some pretty good Big Dave. But November, December this year, you started to see the fans get a little frustrated. January was OK. February was a little bit better, but you didn't really have it. And March comes. And if you remember the Big 12 tournament, guys, and we were talking about it in this studio on this program, the Big 12 tournament championship game, Big, Big Dave took us to that title. Yeah. He took us to that title and you could sort of see it when the team needed to play big, he was the biggest player. And those two buckets down the stretch are going to be what a lot of people remember from this team. When you forget everything else, when the years go by, it's going to be his play in the last minute that people are really going to remember.
1: Bill self was asked a little bit about, you know, Dave McCormick and, and the, the big picture on him. And he said, what people don't really realize is he was playing on one foot for most of the year. Um, and that you can maybe describe, explain away some of his play based on that. Some of it you cannot, because we saw for four years, he, he'll do a silly play here and there. He'll drop a ball he'll miss a dunk. He'll fumble a pass. He'll do those things. Cause that's just who he is. He's a little manic, but he also said that for seven days a week uh, for three hours a day, he would go get treatment on his foot doing all the things he needed to do to try to be ready for March. And Bill said that because he did all those things, because he put in that work and to see the foot be the best it has felt all year in March is a Testament to what he put in for this team and for his, for himself. And that's something that, you know, we just sit here talking heads, goofing around, whatever, talking on Twitter. People don't really think like, what is this guy actually doing? What's he going through? What's his deal? And now you're able to share that. Cause you don't want to necessarily share that stuff mid season. Now you can, and you get the full picture and it just makes you appreciate everything. He's done more.
2: And by all accounts, just like one of the sweetest kids who does everything the right way. Everybody has, I mean, everybody in the program has nothing but nice things to say about him and I mean, if you would have told me before the tournament that, yeah, that this is going to be the guy who's going to help you win, I don't think I would have bought into that. I would have bought into the idea that you can't have bad Dave, which you did get effectively for three games. He kind of came alive late versus Miami, as a lot of guys did, and then was outstanding in New Orleans. But I think we all probably would have agreed that you can't just get bad Dave for three weeks and expect to win a title because you know – the reinforcements aren't coming. There's not this guy. Who, it, there's never going to be a moment where they're going to say, you know what, K.J. Adams, 20 minutes tonight. Zach Clements, going to need you tonight. Like, we knew the rotation heading into March, and it got very tight to basically what we talked about last week, which is this was a team with seven starters. And the second he came out of the game against North Carolina is when everything turned. And then he comes back into the game, and everything turns in the other direction. He is low-key... An incredible smack talker, and it's not really smack talker. It's just the <laughs> gestures, it's the too small stuff, mm-hmm. it's the raising the roof. I, I will, I'll say that right now. David McCormick single handedly brought back raising the roof. Right, there's
1: something to that. We should make that
3: a Kansas thing now. You know, next year in the stands. Raise yeah. the roof. The, Duke, the fans Duke gotta embrace it. the
1: floor. We smack the air. That's right. We <laughs> raise the roof. That's gotta be our Duke thing.
2: <laughs> but I would imagine that has to energize the other guys on the court when they just see him getting hype up. Yeah,
1: for sure. Because he's not that guy a lot of the time. And when he gets, I mean, when he did the 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 flex step, the flex walk in the Miami game, you know, like yeah, all that stuff, man. It, that that hypes everybody up. And sometimes that CB. A lot of the time it was CV this year. But when Dave did it, it was something a little extra. I got one for you, though, Nick. All season long, you, Nick Schwert, have been of anybody – the biggest fan on the planet of single game plus minus mm-hmm. stats.
2: Yes, I do love it.
1: Just the small sample size plus minus is your thing.
2: Yeah, I love small sample sizes in general.
1: Of course, especially data like the smaller sample size. The, the better, better usually the more indicative yeah, you can extrapolate everything. from. <laughs> but give, let me give you one because this is actually uh, this a is going to be good. good. Dave McCormick in that game was plus 16. From a plus minus standpoint. KU won by what? Three? KU won by three points. Dave McCormick was plus 16 when he was on the court. Any guesses what the next highest was? Jalen? Ochai. It was Jalen. Jalen. It was? Yeah. But what, okay, but what was it? Plus seven. Yeah. How about that? Wow. Well, I mean, it makes sense. Ochai plus two. If you're curious, that's the MOP. Plus two. Whew. Think of that. We won I, by three points. I don't know but they, you know what
2: that is? That's the voters understanding that pl- single game plus, plus minus <laughs> doesn't mean <laughs> anything. They <laughs> saw that plus two with Ochai. They said we don't care. He That's was the, the best guy. player. That's Absolutely
3: robbed. Most outstanding. Okay, players.
2: yeah, are Let's we all in agreement that. there? Yes. Absolutely
1: robbed. We uh, were live. We, we were doing a Twitter Spaces during the presentation, and I went back and listened to this part. Because we were all just convinced. Like, I was shocked yeah, when Dave, I saw that. We're like, Dave, is it? We're clapping for him. Look at him. He looks good. And then we're like, wait a minute. What? Wait a minute. What's going on? Because like, we, we didn't have the volume up. We're kind of watching. And then I, saw, I said a bad word, which I will not say on the radio, that he got robbed. What letter he did he begin with? I'm not going to say. Okay. I'm not going to go Classy. There. My mom might be listening. Kansas fans are class. My mom was listening has, to that too. Yeah, Kansas,
2: <laughs> Kansas has the classiest fans. Class. Yeah, this is living proof of that. He did get robbed. He got robbed. So, okay, so Matt Norlander, uh, who uh, writes for CBSSports.com, and he said that in just a sort of non-scientific poll of other media members who were there, that he couldn't find one person. Who voted for Ochayabaji? Now, maybe those guys were covering their asses because they turned in their ballots before yeah. the game ended and said, Oh, I Oops, think I may have messed up. Because, by the way, for anybody who doesn't understand how the voting process works, it is insane to me in 2022 that this is how they do it. But with about 10 minutes to go, they will come by with a piece of paper. A media member or a media coordinator will walk around with a piece of paper and hand it to every media member on Press Row. And then a few minutes later, they will come back and collect those papers, they will go back and tabulate it, and the reason they do it that way is because they want to have the MOP named, the votes tabulated, and it named by the time they get to the post-game podium awards ceremony. The idea in 2022 that you can't just, like, I don't know, put it on a computer, put it on an app, say, hey, fill it out, it will immediately be tabulated, and you can do it the second the game ends is absurd to There's me.
1: something to this conspiracy, because what happened in 2008— Mario hit a shot, not with eight minutes to go. <laughs> I understand there was overtime, but theoretically, if they tabulated that and they were trying to get it before the end of regulation, Mario was one of five from three in that game before the shot. It was apparent who the best player on the court was. Darrell Arthur was the best player. What on the court. 20, and 11? Had 20 and 11, 20 and 11, 20 and 10. So what has happened in 14 years in this process where because Mario Chalmers was a second-team All Big 12 that season, he was fine against North Carolina. Do you remember that game? He had 11 points, one of three from three. He was not like the best player on that in that run. And here's when he hit the shot. And, and this is what so bothers me OP. about it because you
2: could easily argue, well, what's it matter? They won the title. Who cares about individual awards? I'll tell you what, why it matters is because that could end up being the difference between Ochai's getting his name in the Raptors, no matter what, regardless yes. of what happened on set, on Monday night. That could be the difference between David McCormick being in the Raptors and not being That's in the Raptors. That's literally
1: the only reason it I was It is mad. the difference.
2: Yeah, that was it the is... only reason So you I was don't mad. think there's any chance he's getting his jersey retired now? I don't think so. Really? I think there's a tiny chance. Because we know this much. The rules have been loosened to the point where basically it's just whoever Bill Self decides gets to go up there.
3: There's a minimum criteria, criteria, but, but I, I think – and he doesn't meet any of it. Maybe if he comes back for his COVID year – that's that's his only shot. So Dave come back. I Dave, Dave think, we want you back now. <laughs> I
2: think Bill Self is going to do Davis solid. I think Bill Self's going to make an executive decision and say he's going up there. We don't win a title without him. He's going
1: up. He we definitely don't win the title without him. You could probably make that claim for Remy Martin too. And he was the best
2: player for both games. It's not just that game he was the best player in both games in New Orleans. He, he was, was dominant. 25 in and that Villanova 10.
1: Game. What was he was he definitely had more points than Otai. Otai had 20. In Villanova. So he basically averaged 20 and 10.
2: 25 and 9 and then 15 and 10. I think we should ask this question to our next guest. Quite simply, is David McCormick going to get his jersey in the rafters? Yeah. Brian Haney, the voice of the Jayhawks, joins us on the other side. This is Jayhawk Talk Radio.
4: Jayhawk Talk Radio, a KU show by the fans for the fans on 610 Sports Radio.
2: This is Jayhawk Talk Radio on 610 Sports Radio with Kevin Meckley, Andrew Payne, Chris Tenpenny. I am Nick Schwartz. There is a very interesting and unique moment that took place, uh, not in the waning moments of KU's win over North Carolina on Monday, but directly after the buzzer sounded, KU wins national champions. Brian Haney, the voice of the Jayhawks, is doing his national championship call. A broadcaster's dream, right? Every play-by-play broadcaster dreams of calling that championship call. And in the midst of that call, Ochi first team All-American, Final Four MOP, decides to run over and give Brian Haney a hug in the middle of the call in what was one of the most unique, organic, end-of-game national championship call moments I think I've ever seen. Let's talk to him about about it. The voice of the Jayhawks, Brian Haney, now with us here on Jayhawk Talk Radio. Brian, give me the play-by-play breakdown of what took place there when you're doing that final call and you see Ochai running your way.
5: Well, first off, thanks for having me on, guys. Congratulations to each of you as Jayhawks. This is uh, truly something to celebrate and be so proud of. Didn't think it would necessarily happen with this particular group at certain times throughout the year, but as we've discussed, you know, not always is this uh, a tournament format that, reward, that rewards the best team overall. Sometimes it's a team that has you know the best path, and yet I think the way this team closed out their six wins maybe it did reward the best team. I mean, the way we looked in the second half versus Miami, first half versus Villanova, second half versus Carolina, that team truly could have beaten anybody, even if the road to the Final Four would have had some tougher matchups along the way. So I think that this particular journey, though, there were certainly some fortuitous breaks that caused us to dodge some bullets and not have to play certain teams. I think when it was all said and done, they they peaked defensively in stretches. They peaked off defensively in getting David Ochai and Remy to all come together on the same night in a couple of occasions and we finally saw what they were truly capable of if they got everybody heading in the same direction and healthy at once. But as far as that end of game moment, you know, you head into it, hoping to get a chance to have some kind of signature call. Nobody's ever going to top The Dream Is Real, The Dream Is Real by Bob Davis because that was such an epic call with an improbable run to a championship from that six-seeded 1988 Kansas team. And uh, his, his call in 2008 was great, too, although the Mario miracle was drowned out a little bit by Chris Piper's excitement when the ball went through and Piper was like, oh. So really the the call at the end of the game, was just KU national champions, so I spent much of of Sunday thinking about what I wanted to say if we got a chance because those are huge shoes to fill and, and and big calls to follow. And I actually talked with the the last two guys to make national championship calls and got their feedback. John Morris, the voice of the Baylor Bears, and Dave Kane, who was the voice at. Virginia before he now takes a job at uh, the Milwaukee Bucks, which is a dream job for him. And I also talked with Wes Durham, who's the voice of the Falcons, big ACC network guy who was down there in New Orleans. And the consensus I got was keep it simple. Don't have it be, be too scripted or contrived. You know, have something in mind that you want to articulate, but not some rehearsed, you know, big long thing. And so I got to thinking about it. And, uh, and, and really what was resonating with me most on Sunday morning, is that at Kansas with Bill Self having his 10th one seed in a 19-year tenure, if you include 2020, we have great years every year. Okay, Every year is a great year. We're a one seed almost every other year, no worse than a four seed in his worst year, winning conference championships 16 out of 19 years. Every year is a great year. But very seldom is it a banner year, as in unfurling a sixth national title banner. And so I decided that the only thing I was going to have fairly descriptive would just be that it's a banner year for Kansas basketball. And then I'd follow that with, your Jayhawks are national champions. And so when the last shot was missed and they start to storm the court, I get through that. And just as I finish, your Jayhawks are national champions. Chai has, has kind of whipped around uh, and redirected. I don't think he was necessarily trying to find us first or anything like that. We just happened to be the first... Familiar and friendly faces. He saw. He saw Greg. He saw me. He came running over and slapped Greg a big high five, and then I was reaching up, pointing at him, and he bent over and gave me a hug. And it was so cool because you never in a million years expect that to happen. And uh, national TV caught it for a couple split seconds, and uh, it, it was pretty neat. But uh, you know, it's it's a funny exchange, and I'll wrap it up succinctly here. This kid is such a sweet kid, and he's he's the ultimate humble superstar when it comes to deflecting praise and putting it on other people, always pointing to others and building others up. Do you know, he actually apologized to me an hour after the senior day speeches were done that he forgot to give us some love. And he said, man, I'm so sorry. I was looking toward the other corner where the, the coaches and the teammates were sitting and you were behind me. And I had it in my mind to thank you And it completely slipped my mind. And I'm like, seriously, you don't owe us anything, nor should you be worried about that. But bless your heart that you're so kind that you care about that. So it's just so funny that was on his mind. Four weeks earlier, and then we got to share that embrace uh, four weeks later on the ultimate stage. It's something I'll cherish for the rest of my life. And it's kind of funny if you go back and listen to it. The original call I, I thought came across really good, and then he hugs me, and it was like toppling on top of me here on the elevated court, reaching down, and it kind of takes the air out of my pipes. And, and, and in just an organic moment, I, I follow back, "Love you, brother," <laughs> you know, which is the truth. I love him. He loves uh, the support we've given him. And I think we're two guys cut from a similar cloth that were raised by uh, equally wonderful parents. And we just kind of had a similar path towards different, you know, futures in Kansas basketball. But I think we, we come from similar upbringings, because we've always bonded over that. And we're also guys that don't just have a glass, that's half full, our cup runneth over. And I think that's why we've hit it off so well over the last few years. But definitely a moment to savor and I appreciate you. Let me have a chance to relive it a little bit with you guys tonight.
1: That's awesome. Brian, this is Kevin. Thanks so much for joining us. Look, we've had a little bit of a debate here early in the program though. Ochai, obviously everything you just said, 100% true. Big Dave McCormick might've had an argument for that MOP. We wanted to get your thoughts because he didn't win MOP, but because he probably should have Do you think bill self has any chance, any chance at all? We see big Dave in the rafters because again, he probably deserved it.
5: I don't think there's any probably about it. I think it was a slam dunk choice and I was astounded. When when they didn't give it to him, and that's not to slight Ochai at all. He was obviously tremendous. But as great as Ochai's six for six to open the game versus Villanova was, I thought David's twenty five and nine was every bit as big. And then in the title game, he turns in fifteen and ten, including the go ahead game winning bucket and a jump hook to follow. Some of my friends in the media that actually did have a chance to vote had mentioned that they needed to get the vote in by uh, the two-minute mark of regulation. Oh, well, there you go. Before. I've heard that before at bowl games and stuff like that, and that just blows my mind because of the 120 minutes that were played at Caesars Superdome between Saturday and Monday, the most important two minutes of the entire weekend were the last two minutes. So you got to get the, the voting in when it's all said and done, not just because you want to have time to count it. Before Mark Emmert is handing the trophy to, as he termed it, the Kansas City Jayhawks. But (laughs) let's just take one one more commercial break, make sure the game is finished, and then vote and get it right. Am I right? And and, and I think, you know, it's backed up. And this is why I say, Kevin, there's no probably about it it's backed up in the form of Ochai saying at the podium 30 minutes later, hey, it should have been David. And that, again, speaks to what a selfless kid abaji is and always lifting others up. But, I mean, his performance was so huge on so many levels. And, uh, you know, not only the two big buckets late, but, you know, contending with Cop throughout, 10 rebounds. I just, I just thought he was fantastic. And it's a wild story because, as we all know, those of us that follow this stuff closely as Jayhawks, that's one of the criteria that gets you up. In the rafters, and I know you hinted at that in your question. You know, you could also get up there as an academic All American, and you could get up there if the most powerful man in Kansas basketball decides to tweak the criteria. That's right. <laughs> That's I, think, right. I think, I think. What Bill Self very well might do. Now, you know we're a long ways away from that. And he and I actually had a conversation a month ago about criteria and guys that that aren't up there like Keith Langford that would have a great case to be up there. And would you ever? tweak the criteria and he thought there are several guys that deserve to be up there but he said it's probably not something he would worry about doing while he was still the active coach but maybe later perhaps on the way out the door in retirement or something like that it wasn't like a pressing concern but you heard him say it in the postgame locker room speech co-MOP Yeah. you heard him say it when they had their welcome back celebration at Memorial Stadium yesterday co-MOP he kept saying it and, and you know me, I'm the biggest Ochai fan around, but I don't think there's any co about it. I think it was Big Dave, and, and Ochai agrees. So it would not surprise me if sometime down the line that that ultimately is, is, is done for him. And, and there'll be an avenue to making it happen because at the end of the day, you know, if, if we're going to stick to that criteria as the only avenue to getting guys immortalized in the most famous building in all of college basketball. Do we really want to just trust a media vote that was done by people that are trying to meet their deadlines or get set for their live stand-ups and they're hurriedly scribbling something down by the two-minute mark? Or do we want to really evaluate it with, with people that care the most about who goes up in those rafters making that decision? And that's Bill Self, And so if he thinks he should be up there, he will be. And everything I hear from the coach without him actually saying those words, everything I hear from him is that he thought David was most outstanding. So to me, I, I think honestly, it's only a matter of time. It just may not be for, you know, 10 years down the line.
3: Hey, Brian, it's Andrew. Before we get out of here, I want to ask you what's going to be the lasting image from this championship? Obviously, oh, wait, you have Mario's shot. You've got. Uh, Danny the Miracles, but when this all gets forgotten, what's the one thing that you're going to remember? What's the one thing the fan base is going to remember?
5: Ooh, that's a good one. That's a really good one. Um, you know, the, there's a iconic image of, of David's jump hook over the outstretched arms of Brady Manick, who never had a chance. Uh, that was a pretty amazing photo. Um, That's a great photo of Coach Self with both arms extended and sheer joy on his face. And I, I imagine him the split second later looking up to the heavens, thinking about his dad. I loved his quote about how he talked to his dad multiple times throughout the night. Of course, his father has since passed on in January, and this was him talking to his dad up in heaven. And, and he had the great line that, yeah, he was probably pretty pissed off at us at halftime the way we played in the first half, but he said the way we came back and won. that game, Uh, the the fact that we displayed all those attributes of grit, toughness, determination that Bill Self Sr. instilled in his son that has really become the staples of every program he's ever coached. He said, that would have made my dad so proud that we won it in that fashion. And it reminded me so much of the grinded out grit, toughness, heart, type fashion they showed to win the day after his dad passed, and we were in Manhattan, and uh, came back from 16 down in the Little Apple in very similar fashion. Um, So, to me, that image of the joy on his face because of everything he's been through in the last three months, the way the team picked him up and carried him in some ways, according to Coach's words, but in others, the, the way he delivered arguably the greatest coaching job of his 19 seasons here. That's something I'd love to hear you guys debate if you haven't gotten into already, but that image of sheer joy, in the wake of everything he's been through on top of the McCormick jump hook. And then, I don't know if there's a great picture of it, but I don't think we can undersell the value of that step-back crossover three that Mm. he hit from the right wing when it was 65-all. What was it? About 230 to go. Uh, I mean, the degree of difficulty on that shot, I don't know what the improbability would have been, but that was a really tough shot at a really huge moment. And I wish there were... I, I haven't seen all the photos that are out there, but I wish somebody would have caught that frozen in time because if it happens even 90 seconds later we're talking about that as the biggest shot of the tournament but uh pretty pretty amazing stuff i'll remember that one as well and then on a personal note somebody caught the image of on top of me with the arms wrapped around me uh you know the big hug in that moment i'm probably going to put that on my wall
2: oh there's no question about it
5: yeah, for all the reasons I told you earlier, he's, he's my favorite speed athlete I've ever covered, and that's a moment I will cherish till my dying day.
2: Brian, we got about thirty seconds here before we got to hit a break, but I want to ask you one question. Kind of on that note, that we've had a KU has the best hype video in college basketball. The pregame video with Mario for the tie hits it, Bill Self fist pump. Starting lineup. <laughs> Is that video going to get updated next year? Will it still be Mario shot at the end? Will it still be Bill Sells fist bump at the end? Or are we going to see one of those images as the new brown moment for the KU pregame hype <laughs> video?
5: I talked with Douglas Shepard about it today. and They're already thinking about what it's going to look like. It'll still include that stuff, but you got to, updated to have the latest title. And my hope was when I said it's a banner year for Kansas basketball, I kind of envisioned in my head late night in the fog and them playing that as they unfurled that sixth banner on the north end. So I'm real hopeful we'll have some major hype behind the Rock Chalk video production and uh, get ready to celebrate in October when that banner officially goes up.
2: B. Haney, congratulations on being part of uh, an incredible run, an incredible call there, and a national championship. Chip, thank you so much for joining us tonight, man.
5: Well, hey, I'll, I'll close it like I closed it with outside.
2: I love you, brother. Hey, we love you too, man. <laughs> see you, hi- <laughs> see you, Brian. Brian. All righty. that is the voice of the Jayhawks, Brian Haney. I want to recap what he just said there. What you asked him, Andrew, the lasting image of this tournament run. We'll get into that next.
4: You're listening to Jayhawk Talk Radio with Kevin Meckley, Andrew Payne, and Nick Schwert on 610 Sports Radio. <laughs>
2: All right, so we just asked Brian Haney on the other side what his lasting image from this championship run will be. I am Nick Schwert, Andrew Payne, Kevin Meckley, Chris Tenpenny producing this thing. It doesn't necessarily have to be a lasting image, like actual a still shot image, but the lasting moment. So, so it could even be a gift, the lasting gift form since it is 2022. <laughs> what is going to be the lasting memory, the one thing that you'll remember above all else? Because the last two title runs for Kansas have very obvious ones. I'm not sure if there is an obvious
1: one right now. Yeah, I don't know that there is one either. In some ways, it it kind of could be decided for us. Because what do you do after we win a title? You go get the SI cover. Yeah. And you frame it. So whatever they pick, frankly, might be the thing that I remember. Because you know your boy's going to go get one. And probably going to put a nice frame around it. Mm-hmm. Put it right next to Mario's shot. It's in my office. So like in some ways, it might be decided. Right now, I think the leader in the clubhouse, for me... Is that dunk from Dave? I think it has to include Dave, whatever it is. Maybe it's the hook that that Brian said. I think it has to be somewhat Dave because so so much talk we've had after this has been about Dave. And I feel like now it's sort of a Dave thing. So that Dave dunk is such a pretty sweet picture. I, I think it might go there for me.
3: It's either the Dave dunk or the Dave hook shot. Great image of a Dave hook shot. But but for me, I think it's just the comeback generally. I mean, that's not like one moment, but we were down 15. This was the largest comeback in a national championship game history. And so if they... Sports Illustrated puts up on there Dave doing the raise the roof and it says the Kansas Comeback Kids, like that may decide it for us. But like that's a a huge deal.
2: So that so those are yeah, those are great. I I wouldn't disagree with either of those. I'm gonna cheat a little bit because the one moment for me that I think has stuck with me the most over the last forty-eight hours is the video of Ochai immediately running over and hugging his mom where you see him break down, which we've never seen. Oh, Chai break. It's not like we've ever seen him get emotional like that because that was a moment to me, like the culmination of four years of a dude going from being unranked to the 150th or whatever he was, ranked prospect coming out of high school, flirting with going to prep school for a year so he could try and improve his ranking. Coming to Kansas, redshirt pulled halfway through the year, works hard, tests the NBA draft waters. They told him he needed to become an alpha. What'd he do? He went and became an alpha. First team All-American, Big 12 Player of the Year, national champion, Final Four MOP, like the culmination of all of those things manifesting and him going over and having that emotional. That was a powerful video of watching him kind of go over and break down, realizing that he had accomplished every
1: possible goal that you could set for yourself at this level. The other one you can argue, I think a little bit is every good team needs a slogan, right? And the just load the wagons Mm -hmm. deal for, for, you know, bill self's dad and, and having the little banner that the kids brought in, it feels like that might be a lasting image too. Cause there's a chance. I mean, probably a pretty good chance, That thing ends up in the rafters somehow. Just like it's got to end up in Allen
2: Fieldhouse somewhere. Yeah,
1: and they'll probably do like a a nicer version of the the random whatever was bed (laughs) sheet that they put it on. They had a good effort. Yeah, no, but that's how the pay heat all winter. That's how that started, right? They was shower curtains. Yeah, so that that might be another one that that is is a lasting memory.
2: Yeah, and that's a that's a season long thing, but it echoed throughout the postseason run for sure. Uh, I don't know what we're supposed to do now. Kevin, you have big plans after this, right? You're not going to be joining us for the final two hours. Is that correct?
1: Listen, I'd love to, but I missed the opportunity to go down to Mass Street and just shower everyone with champagne. (laughs) Uh, So I actually have to go to a work dinner. But instead of doing the work dinner, I might just ask the sommelier for some bottles of champagne and just Spray them on everything.
2: No, way. I think you should go to Mass Street. I think oh, you go should to go Mass to Street Mass Street and just spray unsuspecting families yeah. walking around Woo. shopping with champagne. Yeah, I'm
1: all the national chit right <laughs> in the middle of the road. <laughs> can a
3: sommelier tell you what has the best fizz? What has the best like pouring yeah, I over? I need, need something there. that's yeah. gonna blow Excuse up here. Me, uh,
1: I'd like to know the one that has the most CO two. Like, how can, <laughs> can you shake it? Make sure you shake it really good before you bring it over.
2: <laughs> okay, so Kevin will be departing. Andrew and I will be sticking around. Two more hours of Jayhawk Talk Radio. Kevin, thank you. It's been a pleasure all year. Thank blast, you. Boys. Thanks for helping us bring a
1: championship back to Lawrence. I feel like I played a a small, but not completely small part in it. All
2: right. Two more hours coming up. This is Jayhawk Talk Radio.
4: Jayhawk Talk Radio. A KU show by the fans for the fans on 610 Sports Radio.
2: back to Jayhawk Talk Radio, 610 Sports Radio. I am Nick Schwert, Andrew Payne. Kevin Meckley has departed. He is heading down to Mass Street to spray champagne on unsuspecting families and shoppers. The celebration was two nights ago, but I guess it's never too late because the party continues. And this is sort of weird because I don't really remember how to handle an offseason coming off a title. Because you so seldom, even if you are a a power, like even Duke, you know, after Coach K won back-to-back in 91 and 92, they went nine years until the next title, and then they went nine more years until their next title. So, even the best go on, you know, they win a title every seven years, every eight years, every nine years. So, all those ones in between, we sort of become accustomed to how you handle yourself. You... First, complain about what went wrong, what should have been different, what coaching changes should have been made, what did the coach screw up, what did the players screw up, what's the recruiting class for next year going to look like, who's going to leave, transfer portal. Now we don't really have to do any of that. I don't remember what we're supposed to do during the offseason after a win because I feel like nothing else matters. I don't care. I'm not worried about what next year's team is going to look like. I'm not worried about the recruiting class, even though it happens to be the best recruiting class Bill Self's had in five years. I'm not concerned with which guys are going to test the NBA draft runners. I mean, maybe I will eventually. I'm certainly not concerned with everybody's way too early top 25 rankings for next year because uh, I don't care. Kansas just won a title. So we got to figure this out. we got to figure out what we're supposed to do during the offseason now that KU did have that championship season for the first time in 14 years. Andrew, have you clicked on any of the way too early top 25 rankings?
3: I have. We did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just because there's so much content. There's so much stuff. Gary Parrish tweeted it out. And then I'm like, well, maybe I'll check the sporting news. Mike DeCourcy one. Ah, maybe I'll check the ESPN one. And they're all, <laughs> it's all just fun at this point because no one knows anything. No one knows the real uh, the, the real situation. Uh, we don't know transfer portal. We don't know who's going to stay. We don't know who's going to go. So it's just fun content at this point for people who are just like super into college basketball. So, yes, Nick, I did click on it. But you don't
2: care, right? Like in years past, if KU was at seventh and I thought they deserved to be at fourth, I'd be livid. At Mike deCourcy or Jeff Borzello or Jeff Goodman or whoever was putting out their way too early. The Seth Davis- I would have been so mad because I, would have, I said, wait a minute, this guy's coming back. That guy's coming back. This recruiting class is coming in. I haven't even begun to, nor do I care to in any point in the foreseeable future project next year's lineup or roster or rotation.
3: I would have been so mad, but this year, I don't care. This year, well, like yeah, don't last care. year, they had us pretty high and I was, that was probably the first year I was surprised. Like we just got blown out by USC how do they have us number 3 or number 4 or number i mean it was it was a little surprising and then i talked myself into it but this year they have us what 678 i was very i was like just it's good content vegas has us as the favorite i did check those odds or at least certain books have us as the as the favorite uh, that's an important thing to know but then again we don't know anything at this point it's just you know a fun thing to do and and you can do it when you're having fun after winning a title You can just go enjoy those fun things without any pressure.
2: So I'm glad you brought that up. The USC loss from a season ago, a 34-point drubbing in the second round of the NCAA tournament. And we have talked ad nauseum as to what Bill Self had to say after the game, which was that in order for them to compete, they needed to get longer. They needed to get more athletic. And when we heard that, it was... Painfully obvious what he was trying to say or what or what we thought he was trying to say, which is they need to go out and overhaul the roster. They're going to go out and hit the transfer portal hard, and that's exactly what they did. I mean, think about all the guys who left. Tyon Grant-Foster left. Tristan Aruna left. And you replaced a lot of the Bryce Thompson left. And you replaced a lot of these guys with the guys who fit the billing of what Bill Self said they wanted to do. They went and got Joe Yesifu and Remy Martin, and they got Jalen Coleman-Land, like, right? Shooters, guys who filled voids from what you were lacking a season ago. And then this past week, finding out that both Christian Brown and Mitch Lightfoot admitted, they heard those comments and they were like, yeah, you talking about us? Oh, you think you're going to go replace what we don't have with guys who aren't currently on the team? And that motivated them. To where, I mean, Christian Brown was working, doing four, four days a week, doing three-hour workouts. Mitch Leifert was doing, like, they all took that as motivation. Their coach saying they needed to get better motivated them to say, you're not going to go give guys better than us. We're the ones who are going to get more athletic.
3: You know, I think it's two things. One, Bill Self is a, is a master motivator. You've seen him do these little things in the media that are meant to get his guys going. But the other thing is, is that, he actually did try to go get longer and try to get more athletic. Think of the guys we brought in. We brought in Joe Yesifu, this speedy guard from Drake who just killed it in the NCAA tournament last year. You bring in Remy Martin, you know, this, this uh, Pac-12 all first team player, this guy who's, you know, ended up with 2,000 points for his career. This, this scoring demon, you bring in these, these hot freshmen who are stronger probably than Mitch, bigger than Mitch. uh, But what did it end up being? It ended up being the, the roster from last year plus. Remy, How crazy is that?
2: That a team that got obliterated by USC in the second round brought back effectively the exact same rotation from last year where you subtract Marcus Garrett, insert Dewan Harris into the starting lineup. And then Remy Martin becomes your sixth man, a de facto sixth starter. And that's the team that wins the national championship. That's absurd. If you would have told me at that point, like, Hey, yeah, you are going to go out and get a bunch of new guys. But it's going to be the familiar faces who are in the rotation again next year. And instead of looking like this team that's outmatched because of their lack of size or length or athleticism, they're going to win the whole damn thing.
3: You know, teams like Kentucky or some of these teams that can just bring in freshmen, you know, they're they're born with talent. and, And sometimes they can just show up and go win a basketball game. And sometimes KU teams are like that too. But not this one. This team had to go through a whole lot this team had to go through that USC loss last year. This team probably like the 2020 stuff probably contributed as well. We had to go through, Dave had to go through so much to reach where it all came together in this tournament, where it wasn't a show up with your talent thing. It was a have things go bad and go and fix it. And I think you saw that in the offseason with Ochai. You saw that with how it worked out with Dave And, you know, it finally came together at the end and it came together at the right time. So here's the quote
2: from Christian Brown. We all came back knowing that, man, they don't think this team can get it done. They don't think this team can win championships. It was just cool for me to see the guys that I played with last year that people didn't think could get it done Win all those championships. I love that he says in this quote, people said. Yeah, people are saying, many people are saying. Well, Christian, (laughs) there was one person in particular that happened to be saying that, and it was your head coach. And I would doubt, I would highly doubt Bill Self has any issues with Christian Brown making these comments. In fact, I don't think, tell me if you disagree, I don't think Bill Self was saying that to motivate these guys specifically. I think he was speaking honestly, like, we've got to change the personnel. But I'm sure he loves that that was perhaps an unintended consequence of his comments.
3: Maybe at the time it was, a. I'll, this is what we have to go do in the offseason. But I'm sure he used that throughout the season. It's Like, do you guys want to get these minutes or do you want me to go get somebody above you? And he tried to. He tried to go get them. And those guys really held their ground. And, and they showed where the, why they didn't have to be the absolute most athletic team. But they ended up being the best this season. Is it just me or... Is Bill
2: Self a different coach in terms of demeanor than he was even two or three years ago? It's, I, I, I totally understand. And if you'd like to weigh in on this question, you can give us a shout on the Jay Southland Toast Service text line, 913-576-7610. It seemed like throughout this March run, there was a calmness about him, in-game especially, that I didn't notice as much in years past. And maybe it's just because I didn't notice it Maybe it's because this is an older team and he didn't have to coach them up on the minutia that maybe you would with a younger, more inexperienced team. But it just felt like he was maybe approaching things with a little less spit and vinegar than maybe he would have five years ago. Do
3: you you think there's anything to that? Yes, there's plenty of spit and vinegar, especially especially on the bench during the game. However, I guess it was probably the Miami halftime reaction. That's probably where I started to really notice it, where the question coming out of that game was, what did you say to him at halftime? You know, what did you say to motivate those guys to come out with an incredible half like that? And the stories we heard out of that was, you know, he was upset, but he was fairly calm, and he just told them what they needed to go do. Here are the fixes. And I I think a lot of it, like you said, is this is a very senior laden team very experienced team where you know if you're not motivated now in the elite 8 if you're not motivated here in the final 4 then there's nothing we can do to motivate you so he really maybe it's just sticking to your guns you've gone through all the motivation stuff to try to get him ready for the season get him f- through the season now you're here and you got to focus on what you got to do
2: yeah and i think <laughs> I think with Bill, like there was a quote. I think it was from. Uh, I think it was from C.J. Moore's article where he's talking about his dad. His dad passing a few months ago, and saying that one of his dad's mantras was, "Don't blow up over the big stuff," which is interesting because for coaches, I think that is the natural inclination. I.e., you're down 15 at halftime in the national championship game because you're letting North Carolina get every offensive rebound. It would seem to be justifiable for you to go in the locker room and say, are you guys bleeping kidding me? You're the softest <laughs> team I've ever seen. You're going to lose because you're going to let these guys get every single offensive rebound and put back. Where's your fight? And it didn't sound like based off what people were saying after the game players were saying after the game, there was none of that. There was none of that in the
3: locker room. It, don't lose it over the big stuff. There's nothing bigger than being down 15 (laughs) in the national championship game. If you ever had an opportunity to really heighten your focus, it is you have 20 minutes to fix this for the rest of the season. And so I bet he was pretty focused there. You know, they drew up a pretty good play uh, coming out of halftime. You know, you hear sometimes halftimes, you don't really get a whole lot done. I think they got some stuff. Yeah, done. players
2: always say that. Players always say everybody always asks us what happened at halftime. There's like hardly enough time at halftime for us to get much stuff done. You get in, coach is doing the post game or the, the pre-halftime interview. Guys are going to the bathroom, sitting down, getting getting water. And by the time you sit down, you got seven minutes. Coach maybe gives a speech. Somebody else talks, and you're getting back out there and, and doing warm-ups. I will say this. With Bill always having the stigma, fairly or unfairly, that he coaches tight in the tournament or that he's a regular season coach and he's not a tournament coach. I wonder how much of that, because he knows the tournament failures. He knows the, the teams where he probably thought VCU, Oregon, games we should have won, we didn't, went home early. Those stick with him more than they do any Kansas fan. I can guarantee you that. And I wonder if the tournament failures are the fact that he looks at his resume and says, how do I only have one title to show for it? At all, even in, even in very, very small moments, has forced him to sort of go back to the drawing board or reevaluate. Am I doing everything the right way? Where can I change things to get the best out of these guys?
3: Yeah, and you have that reputation until you don't. Like you think about Jay Wright. Jay Wright had that reputation of never getting out of the first round, and then he won two national titles in three years. So Bill Self's, I think, come out of that a little bit. Maybe he's not going to be as hard on himself, and maybe the media is not going to be as hard on him for for that type of reputation and losing those games because you're in rarefied air now mm-hmm. with with two championships, and you can maybe have some some comfort, some confidence that you just got to go out there and do your job.
2: Well, that's, that's one of the questions. Is Bill Self now the best coach in the country? And he had some... Pretty high praise for Ochai Abaji heading into the game and after the game about his place in Kansas history. We'll get to that coming up next.
4: You're listening to Jayhawk Talk Radio with Kevin Meckley, Andrew Payne, and Nick Schwert on 610 Sports Radio.
2: If you want to join the show, you can do so by... Calling or texting on the Jays Southland Toast Service text line, 913-576-7610. With Andrew Payne, I'm Nick Schwert. Dimes on the other side of the glass producing this thing. It is Jay Hawk Talk Radio. And Bill Self, heading into the national championship game, said that if Kansas won, Ochai would be the most accomplished Kansas player since Danny Manning. Not the greatest, the most accomplished. Well, Kansas won, and Ochai, officially, even though I think everybody in this room and most Kansas fans would agree, they, they, they don't think he should have won. No knock against him, more of a, maybe a slight of David McCormick, but he won Final Four MOP. Is Ochai Baji the most accomplished Jayhawk since Danny Manning? Does it check out?
3: He is. I mean, the only thing holding him back is he didn't win National Player of the Year, but I don't hold that against him. We have had a player, Frank Mason, win National Player of the Year. And so if.
2: But no Final Four and if, no National Championship. If Frank
3: would have won the national title, then he would, you know, potentially have that. But a national, winning a national title takes you over the edge. Who are
2: the other first team All Americans?
3: Well, there's been a lot. Devontae was a first team. T-Rob was a first team. Uh, I'm going to say Cole or Sharon were close. Were you Doka or Devon first team? They may have canceled each other out, but they should have been if they weren't. Let's look this up.
2: Because I know they both, because there's so many different teams now that I know that it's not. It's it's sort of fluid,
3: but um, you know you reach a consensus, and I, I can't remember. I mean that that year is so lost that those they came out with those you know when there was no tournament coming out. No, and,
2: so they were both second team.
3: See, they canceled each other out. They weren't going to put them yeah. on, on there. Uh, so, but there's there's been so many good players come through since Danny Manning, and so if we're using Danny Manning as the reference point, Danny Manning won everything. Danny Manning was a superstar. One national player of the year, one tournament MV or MOP, you know, was, w- was, was everything. You've had so many good players come through this program since then. If you, you think back to the early Roy years, uh, uh with, with Jack Vaughn and, and Paul Pierce. And then the, you know, Nick yeah, Ray Laf-
2: back to back first team, all Americans.
3: So there's a pretty good field of candidates to pick, you know, who is the most accomplished since Danny Manning, but it's, it's Ochaibaji. There's no one else who's done what he's done. Can I give you the resume, the full resume here? Sure. Okay. So, and this is (laughs) his resume
2: was all made this year, like in terms of individual accolades, because before this in his three previous years, only one big 12 championship. Because they didn't win it in 2019. That was the year the streak broke. And then into that last year, they didn't win it either. So they won it in 2020. Who knows what they could have accomplished in the postseason, but we can't go based off that. But his resume, which again was all made this year, first team, all big 12, big 12 player of the year consensus, first team, all American NCAA champion, NCAA final four, most outstanding player, pretty solid season.
3: To the extent it means anything, Big 12 Tournament pl- Most Outstanding Player. Yeah. Uh, you know that's just another another thing that you know other people would cherish that forever, and it's forgotten for, from us. Yeah. Uh, and so, yes, he deserves to be up there. Deserves everything he's getting. But I'm going to ask you this question. I'm going to turn it on you. If there are tears in terms of the important players mm. of this program. Does his name deserve to be next to Danny Manning, uh, below Danny Manning? Uh, you know, Wilt Chamberlain's up there. Does okay, he belong
2: not, with those I need, names? I need clarification here. So
3: let's say a Mount Rushmore. Oh, we're going to do Mount he, Rushmore. Uh, yeah, just that's an easy way to do it. Does he have at least an argument to be on the Mount only Rushmore? Only players. We're only doing players. Only players.
2: Who? He's definitely got an argument, but let's just go with the non negotiables, Wilt and Danny. Yes. I know we don't want to do this because it's 2022 and it happened 70 years ago, but like Clyde Lavelle, kind of has to be on there, right? I think you're right. He kind of, I mean, he, he best player on a national championship team.
3: And you know, changed the game a little bit. I mean he like like Wilt. I mean we're getting into pretty deep here talking Clyde Lavella, but you know, changed the way basketball was, the way he played. They, you know, changed rules around because he was he was so big. And yeah. he was one of the first few guys to, to really dunk the ball. Uh, so so Danny, So we've got three. I and, think. and so and so two of those
2: guys represent national championship teams.
3: Correct. Which is which I view is important.
2: I don't, I would not put anybody from the 2008 national championship team on there. I wouldn't, I think all because because like you said about Devon and Doak, they cancel each other out. Am I going to put Mario on because he made the shot because Brandon Rush was the best player on that team, but it was Darrell Arthur who was the best player during the tournament run. And that team was so balanced throughout. It's really tough for me to say one of those guys is amongst the four most impactful players in Kansas basketball history. And there's some other guys throughout the years, whether you want to go Darnell Valentine or Jojo White or Dave Robish. But I would say before this year, my fourth player on the Mount Rushmore would have been Frank Mason. And I think Ochai's season is more impressive than Frank Mason's because of the way it ended.
3: I think you're right. A couple other arguments. we we'll just throw it out here. Sharon Collins has a ring. You know, ended up being a very important player. Uh, you know, that 2010 season maybe ruins what he could have had. But he I think he's the sixth highest point getter uh, in Kansas basketball mm-hmm. history. Uh, has an All-American uh, status next to him. So, Sharon could be up there with Frank. But I think if you're going to just choose four, I think Ochai belongs in that rarefied air of those four guys.
2: And we made it to Mount Rushmore. But if you were making it into tears, like tier one would probably be Wilt and Danny by themselves. Yep. And then tier two, if it's Clyde and Ochi and Frank, however you want to slice it or dice it, like he's in the top four or five because of the title, because of the title. And somebody on the text line is asking, did Wilt win a championship? No, Wilt Chamberlain did not win a national championship. They lost in the national championship game. His sophomore year. Remember he couldn't play as a freshman. They lost to, I believe North Carolina his sophomore year. Junior year, I, and I may have these flip-flop, but junior year didn't even make the tournament because at the time, only one team from each tournament, only one team from each conference could actually make the, the NCAA tournament. And uh, I think K-State won the conference. <laughs> <So> then, <laughs> Will Chamberlain, who averaged like 30 and 20, did not make uh the NCAA tournament his junior year.
3: I think you've got those flipped. So it was it is was it Yeah. So I think his okay. junior year uh is the year they lost by one to North Carolina okay. in a three overtime game. So Wilt did not win a championship. However, Wilt is still Wilt.
2: Wilt Chamberlain uh is Will Chamberlain and uh it the the aura around Wilt alone sure. and what he did for the game, I think probably gets him in that category. So, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think there's any argument here from uh, what Bill said about Ochi. How about Bill, though? Title number two. Coach K's out the door. Roy Williams is out the door. He's the best coach in college basketball now, right? I know there are other guys you could make an argument for. But when push comes to shove and we're comparing resumes, there is nobody in college basketball with a better resume than Bill Self. Am I wrong?
3: You're not wrong. I mean, for the longest time, Bill Self was viewed as this young gun hotshot. Bill Self is not young anymore. He is entering the the twilight of his career. I don't know how many years he's got left, but he's probably got more years behind him uh, than ahead of him. So he's basically taking in that, that coach K spot. I mean, I'm not saying he's coach K, but he's, he's entering that space is when you think of the revered coaches in college basketball who were still at the top of their game and coach K was, you know, he, he was that until the end. I mean, the other ones you could throw out there you know, Jim Boeheim is, you know, still revered, but you know, how long is he going to be at Syracuse? One title and, in
2: almost 50 years. And, and, no. they, and
3: they haven't done a whole lot lately. Uh, you know, you know, a peer of his could be Jay Wright. You know, Jay Wright has two titles, is a very, uh, you know, big force in the Big East. But I think it's Bill by himself because from you, what, everything he's done. And I get the,
2: you know, detractors will always say, "Well, what a conference championship mean? It means you're in the mix every single year. If you win the Big Twelve for 16 consecutive seasons, that means you're in the mix for a national championship contention for 16 years." So like, so I understand the idea that, well, it doesn't mean anything unless you've got the ring totally get it. But now that the two rings make the conference titles, sort of an ancillary, a bonus on top. That to me is what gives him the edge and you can split hairs and if you want, and if anybody wants to make a case for Jay, Wright, honestly, I'm not going to argue all that much, but it's very clearly those two and then everybody else, which is hilarious that John Calipari is no longer in that conversation. Now, if Kentucky goes out and wins a title next year, then we have a different conversation. But
3: how weird is that? Winning a title does a lot for your reputation. As we're learning right now for perception. (laughs) And and, you know, we haven't mentioned John Calipari's name in terms of this conversation. Uh, He can still recruit, but he hasn't gotten it done in 10 years. I mean, he, he went to another title game with a, with an eight seed, and uh, probably should have won that. But he's starting to kind of get a little bit of that Bill self-anxiety, of that Bill self-ansiness uh, that we've been kind of going through, that, like, why hasn't this happened yet? And certainly you saw this team this year. Uh, Kentucky looked like probably the best team going yeah. into that tournament. I mean, we saw that firsthand uh, at Allen Fieldhouse in January. And you know what's
2: crazy about it now is that at age 59, he'll be 16 next season, I believe. That's right. And who knows what's going to happen with the NCAA stuff. I mean, I would imagine a punishment is coming down eventually. The dude's playing with house money the rest of his coaching career. Now that you have two titles, like, yeah, there's maybe after five or six more years, people are going to wonder, are you going to win a third? But now that you have two and you're in rarefied air, you're one of 16 to have won two. He's now in the territory where there's no more. Why haven't you got another one? Because you have two winning three makes you a top five coach of all time based off everything else he's done in his career. The dude's playing with house money the rest of his coaching career.
3: And he said this. So they asked him near the end of the game or or the game's over, but it's shortly over. Like, does it get any better than this? And he says, well, I hope so. But if not, that that's okay. Which means he's hungry, which Mm -hmm. means he's not done, which means like, there's still more to do.
2: And by the way, Roy Williams, I believe was around the same age. When he won his second title, he's 71 now. He won his second title in 09.
3: Math checks out. Yep. Right? So close, yeah. So. And he coached, you know, he coached another 12 years? Yeah. 13 years. And got another title in 2016. Uh, let's not wait that long. Let's okay, not, okay. Let's not wait I'm with four, you on that. Years. I'm with you
2: on that. But it just goes to show that, like, the idea that. He he's playing. I mean, he is playing with house money, but once you've got the second one, it's just like everything from here is gravy and everything from here. You're just adding to what is already a historic resume.
3: Yeah, I remember the, the most fun I had watching was 2009, the 2008-2009 season, because there was no pressure to win that year. No. You had just won. And so that, that that is the Morris Twins' first year. Tyshawn, uh, Cole, and, and Sharon were like the leaders of that team. That was so fun just because there wasn't that pressure. And, and
2: that's it, what next year is going to be about. We can just sit back and watch Grady Dick. Right. That's what next year is going to be about. <laughs> Let's watch this kid become college basketball's villain. We've talked about all the big moments from Monday's game and this tournament run, but what about the unsung heroes? Let's give them their shine next.
4: Jayhawk Talk Radio, a KU show by the fans for the fans on 610 Sports Radio. All right, I need your help.
2: 913-576-7610. That's the Jay's Southland Toast Service text line. Can somebody tell me how the hell I can find this game online. I want to go back and rewatch the full game, but for some reason, March Madness, CBS, and Turner are, are depriving me of watching what was an instant classic. And, y- Andrew, you're looking at me. This is Jayhawk Talk Radio. I'm Nick Schwert. Andrew Payne with me. You're looking at me like, why the hell didn't you DVR
3: it? Well, well why didn't you? You can record it. Like, see, You got to go pay for CBS Sports Network because they're replaying it like every night. Go pay for CBS Sports Network, record I think it. I might have CBS Sports Network. You know, back in 2008, we were able to buy the DVD. I'm not even sure they make DVDs anymore. Are they going to do a HD download to buy? Dude, you, kn- you know what I actually really
2: miss? And I was watching this from the 2002 season. I have the 2002 season recap where they go through every game, and they intertwine interviews with the players.
3: They don't do that anymore. I would love that. Do you know you remember what I'm talking oh, about, of right? Course, of course. Like there, there's so much content to fill in this ESPN Big 12 partnership in these, you know, Netflix has given out million dollar deals to all these people. Why aren't we getting season recaps or even like old games? You know, you show us that old Texas game with uh, Kevin Durant where we come back. Yes. Show, us, show us like the, the, the storyline games from this program uh, from from anything we have. If, you, if we have the 1952 championship game, I'd pay money for that. I'm bummed. It bums me out, man, because
2: I want to go back and watch this game. And I'm asking everybody, they're like, oh, no, I have a DVR. I forgot. Okay. I'm sorry. But there's a lot of moments I want to be able to relive. I don't know why Turner won't just, like, immediately release it. and Put it on YouTube. It'll have it had 20 million views by now if you did it. All right. I'm done complaining. <laughs> okay. We talked about Dave. We talked about Ochai. We've talked about Bill. I don't want this to get buried here because what was interesting about this, this championship run is that it was Danny and the Miracles in 88. It was Mario's Miracle in 2008. Somebody asked me the other day, what do you think this one's going to be called? And I said, I don't think it's going to have a, a, a catchy name because there was no miracle and there was no guy that for six games carried them. Ochai had his moments. Remy was the best player for Creighton and Providence. Dave was the best player in New Orleans. But I don't think there's going to be some catchy name unless it involves, you know, like load the wagon, stuff like that. Because this was as balanced of a championship run as we've ever seen. Because those seven guys, it was a seven-man rotation in March. Those seven guys all contributed in very major ways.
3: The marketing people will tell you differently. But I think this is a good thing. We'll come up with some way to describe it. But if you think back to Danny and the Miracles, yes, Danny Manning was incredible. He was an incredible player for four years, incredible in that tournament run. Deserves to have it called uh, Danny and the Miracles. Oh, wait. The shot that Mario hit. Yes, Mario's Miracle, whatever you want to call it. It's a singular moment showcasing a, a comeback that's just represented with a perfect image at the perfect time. But it really, it doesn't get th- tell the full story because no. we all forget that Brandon Rush was the best player on that team. Mm-hmm. We forget that much like... This current team, it it was a complete team effort. Uh, Arthur was the best player in that game. I think he went for twenty twenty eleven. It takes away from those other players, whereas this one, there's not a singular focus on on one player on one moment. And so it's because it, it really was a team win. You could point to something that happened, uh, whether it's in the tournament or in the Final Four itself, where if this player doesn't make this play at this specific time, we do not win this tournament. It wasn't like one player put the team on his back, and that's how we won. But you can talk to, you can talk about Jalen. You could talk about CB. You could talk about Dwan or Mitch, and obviously Remy. We'll get to some Remy stuff. But mm-hmm. each one of those players has a moment where if they aren't there executing in that moment, we don't win the title.
2: My favorite is just the Christian Brown bleep talking. (laughs) The Christian Brown. Important. And I'll I'll, I'll say, because I know you don't want to, just repeatedly finding somebody to call a bitch. (laughs) Whether it was just nobody in particular. Eamon Brennan, who is a college basketball writer for The Athletic, and he must have just been sitting in the wrong place at the wrong time. But during that game when Christian Brown (laughs) hit a three, he said, Christian Brown turned around looked me in the eyes and called me a bitch. Uh, And I don't think he meant to call him one, but he is going to scream that two or three times a game. And that I, I know it's kind of sophomoric to make these jokes, but like, I do think that has an effect on the rest of the team to see somebody with that sort of fire burning in him for 40 minutes every night.
3: Eamon Brennan. I like Eamon Brennan. I've talked with him before. Uh, but I think that's pretty vain to think that that <laughs> swear was about you. You just that, happened to be in his side. <laughs> that's pretty vain. Height. That's pretty vain. That was not about <laughs> you, sir. That was about North Carolina. That was just about the moment. Yeah, that's yeah. are you not watched Christian Brown in all year? This, this kind is of what he does. does. That's what he does, but kind you know, a couple other things uh, we're not going to forget. And you're, you're going to go through the years and you're going to think back to this game and maybe people look back to the box score and, we'll see Dwan Harris's name and it doesn't look like an impressive box score, but watch that game and watch his defense. And if he doesn't play that well against those absolute firecrackers uh, on North Carolina, who just killed it against Duke and hold those guys to to nothing, hold those guys to no productivity. That's how we win. The game is on the defensive end. And it wasn't
2: just the North Carolina game. I mean, he, face-guarded Cameron McGusty for the second half of that Miami game, which rendered him useless. I mean, he was killing KU in the first half. And for a guy, by the way, who the biggest criticism of DeWan early in the season was that he's so small that he struggles against bigger, more physical players.
3: That did (laughs) not seem to be the case in March. They underestimated him, and he's got a long wingspan, so that's probably you know, how he can make up for for the height difference, but he's so handsy. He's so active. I mean, there was, there were certain moments where handsy in a good way, handsy in a, in a great way. <laughs> this is the, this is the good kind of handsy that we like from Dewan uh, But you know, uh, other guys, if you want to talk about Jalen Wilson, did not have a good efficient stat line offensively, but he was all over the place and timely buckets, timely and one uh, down the stretch where, you know, puts us in a position to to take control of that game, makes the free throw. He was the only one making those free throws, it seemed, at that point. Uh, but Jalen Wilson, over the course of this tournament, it seemed like he was a double-double machine. He would just, you know, walk out, walk out the door when the game was over and have 11 and 10 You know, that was, you don't really notice it because he's not, you know, necessarily the focus of the offense. We're not running a bunch of sets for Jalen Wilson, but he's getting those putbacks and when he got that putback, uh, on that game on Monday night, you know things were cooking because that was his bread and butter for most of the season.
2: Okay, sorry. I am doing. I was doing some quick math while you were talking there because Jalen Wilson, as we remember, suspended first three games of the season after getting the DUI before the year. And if you remember, I'm sure you do. I mean, it, it seems like so long ago. But he was bad.
3: Struggled.
2: Bad. Benched. To start the season. Yeah, well, he wasn't starting because yeah. Remy and Dwan were starting alongside one another, if I remember correctly. And he came back and just struggled to find a role because I think he found himself on a team that was drastically different than the one a season ago where he was one of the go-to guys offensively. All of a sudden, Ochai was an alpha. Christian had added to his game. Remy Martin came in and was all of a sudden this big-time shot maker. In his first 10 games, Jalen Wilson averaged five points per game. Five points per game and from there it was the texas tech game it was the second game that he started he scored 20 points and the rest of the season was history because i think that and because the, the game before the one that i think earned him the start was against oklahoma state where he had 2 points and 15 rebounds
3: that's what'll do it you... and
2: that was the moment where i think he realized this is how i now provide value I don't need to be the go-to score, and I think that's so tough to convince guys, hey, you were one of our scorers last year, now you just have to be the do-it-all dude.
3: It's quite humbling. I mean, he, he had a very humbling season where there was a time last year, remember he was he was our only offense at the beginning of that year, beginning of that season where he was getting mentioned for you know, freshman of the year. He was getting mentioned. Because it was a shock. Nobody uh, saw that coming. No, no, no. And, like, he was just like, okay, let's see what we have. And he was hurt the year before. Let's see what's what we have with this guy. And to have him just explode and then didn't have quite the end of the year that he wanted. But, you know, he was always going to think of himself as, you know, maybe option number one. And when you come back from that, you he only missed three games. You come back from that and – he now maybe is the fourth option in some search situations. The way to think about Dave, maybe the fifth option. Yeah, uh, that's quite humbling. And if he found his role and you saw that the rest of the season and if he doesn't do those little things like getting those rebounds and really just doing the, the dirty man stuff, of it guys, was vital that that was how we won. It was vital. KU you needed
2: that guy who was just willing to do the dirty work to do the stuff that you don't get a ton of attention for. I still think maybe the play of the tournament. Was against Miami, where Ochai gets the steal or Christian gets the steal. I think it was throws it up to Ochai, misses the layup. Jalen saves it inbounds back to Ochai, hits the three. And I remember watching that play. Saying that's how you win. That's how you win games. That's how you go to the Final Four. And that was what Jalen. That was Jalen's season in a nutshell of just doing the little stuff and working harder than everybody else. We're gonna get into next year. Will Jalen be back? Will Christian Brown be back? We're enjoying this season for at least a little while longer before we look towards next year. The Remy Martin experiment, though, Mm -hmm. the experience, I want to call it, is officially over. And, Andrew, it was a beautiful sight to see. Let's bask in the glory of Remy Martin's year at Kansas next.
4: You're listening to Jayhawk Talk Radio with Kevin Meckley, Andrew Payne, and Nick Schwert on 610 Sports Radio. From the
2: Jay Southland Toe Service text line, 913-576-7610, two out of the five starters on a team that won a title were benched at some point this season. That is true. David McCormick, who should have been Final Four MOP, was benched for three games at the start of conference play. He was benched for the Oklahoma State game, the Tech game, and the Iowa State game. The Iowa State game he was benched in in place of? This will be a trivia question a few years from now. KJ Adams, <laughs> KJ Adams started that game on uh, January 11th. And I guess, so he was benched for three games in the middle of the season. I guess the other one would be Remy because Dewan Harris started every game except for senior night. But Remy was a starter at the beginning of the season. Jalen Wilson was a starter at the end of the season. But to the texter's point, there was never really a solidified locked in five man rotation and when everybody was healthy
3: an iron five, if you will. Yeah. Not like a North Carolina. Here's our five dudes and this is all we're playing. Yeah. We had to go through some stuff to get to the, the spot we ended up with. You know, who would have thought at the beginning of the season, the preseason big 12 player of the year would be coming off the bench and then like, okay, well, if he's going to come off the bench, He'll win sixth man of the year in the Big Twelve. No, Ooh, no, he's not going he to really do much of anything until March. Uh, so, it just it's a weird lineup that that you can't predict it, and they had to go through some things. Uh, to get where they were national championship caliber.
2: He's Andrew Payne, I'm Nick Schwartz. This is Jayhawk Talk Radio. This is gonna be a short bit because we're gonna to have to get to the meat of this conversation on the other side. I want to talk a lot about Remy because he deserves to be talked about, even though at various points this season and on this very program we said we were not gonna talk about Remy. Well now we're gonna talk about Remy as much as we want because he was a big reason why they won a title. Here's another trivia question for you. Ooh. I'll give you a win if you can get it to within ten. Okay,
3: this is a lot of pressure here.
2: How many shots, how many field goals did Remy Martin make in his Kansas career?
3: Great question.
2: And uh, let me give you, you uh, I will give you a frame of reference here. Okay. In his last full season at Arizona State, in which he averaged 19 points a game, he made 204 shots in 31 games. He played 30 games this season.
3: So, how many field goals did he make this year? Yes, seventy.
2: Okay, so you don't win because you did not get within ten. He made ninety-two. Okay, he made I, I,
3: ninety-two. It did not give him enough credit. I for, wonder. How, okay. he, he had some good games early on. That Michigan State game, you know, he he poured it on the second half. There's there were some games where to be uh, to your point by the way, um,
2: f- forty of those forty of those ninety-two came in the postseason. Oh, my. They made 52 shots in the regular season for Kansas. His 52 whole season, shots in
3: 21 games. Half of his season was was March. Half of his season was Big 12 tournament and March Madness. Like that, you don't see this. And I don't think we'll ever see something like this again. We saw something like it with Malik Newman. But that but it was, was different. That was a... Five-star player, a player who ended up getting drafted and still plays in the NBA, who just struggled for a little bit and then had a great But march. he And also,
2: I think people forget with Malik, he started every game, yeah. and he averaged 14 points a game for Kansas that year. Remy Martin, in the regular season, averaged seven points per game. He averaged five points per game in conference play. And then he turned into one of KU's three best players in March.
3: And it was very visible for, for Remy that... He did not need to be on the floor for us to to win games. It was, it wasn't going to happen until March comes. And Remy said, just wait till March
2: final stat line for Remy Martin in the NCAA tournament, 14 points per game, five rebounds per game, three assists shot 48% from three.
3: Wow. (laughs) Wow. Wow. I mean, if going four from six in the national title game, the biggest spot, and they were all like crazy shots. You had the bank shot. You had the step back shot, the corner threes. This wasn't, he doesn't make it easy on himself.
2: I want to continue this Remy conversation. We're going to get into some actual talk about what he meant to this season and the Remy Martin experience as a whole on the other side. This is Jay Hawk talk radio.
4: Jayhawk Talk Radio, a KU show by the fans for the fans on 610 Sports Radio.
2: All right, this is Jayhawk Talk Radio, the last Jayhawk Talk Radio of the season. But you know what? I'm not complaining because this is a national championship edition of Jayhawk Talk Radio. We, we joked about it earlier, Andrew, but our resume pretty damn good as a radio program.
3: 1-0, 1-0 in national titles. We started off a little bumpy. It yeah. was because do you remember do you remember the week we started? We started the yeah, we lost two games in a row. That's the last two games we lost against uh, TCU and Texas. Yeah, so
2: the first game we did the first game we did was Or the show we did, I believe it was Wednesday, February 23rd.
3: Coming off a blowout win against K-State. Yes. We were feeling it. Uh We were feeling it. We were getting to the people in Kansas City saying, look at these Jayhawks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just blew out these Wildcats. And here we are on terrestrial radio. here at 610 Sports Kansas City talking about Jayhawks blowing out the Wildcats. Feeling good, and then uh, not feeling good. The vibes were not immaculate.
2: No, because they lost to Baylor by 10, and then I think the next week we had to change the schedule up. I think we went in on a Monday, if I remember correctly, and then they proceeded the next night to go out and lose to TCU. So we did two shows back-to-back that were followed up by losses. Am Ooh. I remembering this correctly?
3: I, I think we're a little off, but we lost two. Uh, yeah, we know Sen- we
2: lost those, those Baylor and TCU at the first two shows.
3: And we were blaming it on ourselves. We were folks at home, we were we were taking it pretty hard. We were thinking to ourselves, do we just wrap this thing up? Cuz you know, I'm not a superstitious person in real life, but KU basketball is not real life and in no. KU basketball I'm very superstitious. And so
2: then the Jayhawks proceeded to win the Big 12 tournament, win the NCAA tournament. 9 and 0 in the postseason. And as a show, 11 and 2 with a couple of pieces of hardware to go with it. And a banner to be hung next year. And you know what? And there's always people... Andrew, I don't know if you get this at all, because podcast is a little bit different than radio, because podcast, you can get away with basically anything. Radio, anytime you say, like, we or us, uh, so or like, oh, really, we? Are you on the team? Mm-hmm. Did you win the title? <laughs> hey, guess what? Yeah, we, we are a part of this, because you know what? I like to think, because of this radio show that has become a massive success, sweeping terrestrial radio in the Kansas City area, I like to think that... The fans and the listeners of this show then were somehow rooted a little bit harder sure. for those games, and then and then the, the players on the court they found out about it and they said, "Well, these guys they care so much about us. Maybe we should play a little bit harder." Eleven. So I like to think we had something to do with this championship run.
3: Eleven and two, I give us a one seed. That's a, that's a good
2: resume. I, put how a, many quad one wins?
3: <laughs> We've got a lot of quad one wins, a couple losses, but yeah. they're okay. We, we got through it. We had some, had some bumps in the road. So on the Jay Southland
2: Toast Service Tax Plan, somebody asked a very interesting question from the 913. Why can't Remy come back?
3: Yeah, so complicated COVID rules. I
2: don't understand <laughs> how many years of eligibility anybody has anymore.
3: Uh, I do know this much, and this much I know, is that Remy cannot come back. He was, you know, this, I know this for certain. We had a conversation earlier this year about whether Dave could come back. And we were like, we're still kind of up in the air. Can Dave come back? (laughs) And then it's like, do we want Dave to come back? And now I'm like, I wish Dave could come back. Yeah. How many more years can Dave play? Please. Pretty sure Remy cannot come back. Maybe he can come back as video coordinator. Medical red shirt. He missed (laughs) a few games. What's (laughs) the, how's
2: that work? Oh, That would be so great.
3: Like awesome. let's, he would be the face of college basketball, still come off the bench. But Remy, let's talk about Remy, the Remy Martin experience. It's been our favorite topic to talk about. We started this whole show when Remy didn't play, and he still was the the topic of conversation. People wanted, people were saying, without knowing it, but they were so confident that all right, Remy comes back. We're going to win national championship. He's going to take us. And I just, like, come on, guys. Come you know, on, guys. You know why? Because going back to the timeline of this
2: show, Kansas State, that Kansas State game where KU blew them out, that was the last game that Remy missed all season. Here we are. So, that, And that's why we started it with – Remy's back. We can't talk about Remy. We don't talk about Remy because he hadn't played for a month.
3: It, well, yeah. So we revived Remy Martin. We re- – Remy, send me a bottle of Remy <laughs> to, to, to congratulate us on this. But like, let's just get into him. This was such a a weird and awesome experience for for Remy Martin. Comes in as Big Twelve preseason player of the year, and then just that does it doesn't happen. Gets hurt in December. Goes through this weird conference season, and then just kind of takes over. It becomes the full Remy experience. You know, you got the national media people. If to the extent they were talking about Kansas at all early on in the tournament, they were just mentioning Remy Martin. And I loved it. I loved it that he was the focus. uh, And he deserved it. I laughed at people when they said that, though. Well, it was our... First time watching him, too. Really? Yeah. yeah. You know, when you were uh, – he was doing a couple of those skip passes where he had a little little, little jive in his in his body, uh, like he did a little bounce pass. I'm like, man, I've never seen that before. Well, Where's this
2: Well, been? Because people kept asking Bill Self about it in the preseason, and he was sort of deflecting. And I was like, why isn't this guy leaning into the fact that you've got maybe the preseason Big 12 Player of the Year? And we know now it's because Bill Self had been seeing him in practice and was saying – uh-uh. This is gonna be a process,
3: <laughs> and it was. I think they kind of came around to each other, though, mm-hmm. because Bill Self has a very regimented offense. Not that to say it doesn't have any, you know, creativity or flexibility built in, but it is his offense, and he almost calls plays like an NFL coach calls plays. And Remy, free flowing. Let's just figure this out. Let's, I, I might take that shot at the top of the key. I may drive. I'm gonna signal the play, <laughs> but I may not actually run it. Uh, and cause that's what he had to do at Arizona state. It was, that was his team where he could do what he pleases. Take 25 shots a game. Uh, he got his points. They didn't win games, but I think at the end, they really kind of came around to each other. They met somewhere in the middle where Remy did have the confidence to to take that step back shot, which we needed to win the title. Uh, is that a great bill self shot in the bill self offense? Not really, not really, but it went in four seconds left on the shot clock. I don't think we've seen a player like this on a bill self team that I can remember that, that you mean just in terms of getting their own shot that, that, that lasted this long get, to get in their own shot. And sometimes those shots were bad shots, but they went in. Yeah, that, I don't, I can't think of a guy who could compare everyone that else da- that was a dagger. 'Cause yeah. that game it was it was about two I think it was tied up,
2: two forty two, and if I remember, they they went to Dave down low in the post, and he was he got too deep, and he tried to throw it back out, and it went to sort of nobody, and Christian had to go back towards yep. the half court line just to get it. At that point, there's like seven seconds left. He gives it to Remy, Dave comes over, sets the screen. Remy's got a guy, I don't I think it may have been Caleb Love, who had four or five inches on him. And he hit that step back like a dagger to put KU up by three with about 230 to go.
3: Can I say one other dagger? He had a block on Caleb Love with 54 seconds to go. I, I wouldn't say that at the end of the day it would be Remy 511, Remy Martin getting a block on this explosive North Carolina player who's probably gonna go to the NBA eventually. Uh, and Caleb love who's maybe even having one of the best tournaments or at least had that incredible was. game against, yeah. uh, against Duke uh, for him to get a block against Caleb love with 54 seconds. That didn't necessarily seal it, but that if you, if you're following the probabilities meter, we went up quite a bit after that.
2: The vibes are immaculate. Andrew immaculate. The vibes are immaculate. He was exactly what this team was lacking a year ago. That shot this team didn't have a guy to make that shot a year ago. And, you know, the quote about him saying that, or the quote from Bill self saying that Remy told me like, Hey, I'm going to be ready for March. He said, we ready for March. Where are you right now? Like we need you. We need you right now. And he said, I'm, I'm not healthy, but I'll be ready for March. And boy was he ready for March on the Jay Southland tow service text line. My son and I got back at midnight this morning from new Orleans Sat second row. Wow, I I have a I have a couple buddies who drove down sixteen hours, packed up the car after the game on Villanova, went down, bought seats for fifty bucks, taking pictures with Paul Pierce and Danny Manning and Mitch Lightfoot on Bourbon Street. My buddy sent me a selfie with Mitch Lightfoot at Bourbon Street at about four a.m.
3: Oh my god! I oh my, that. love that. If you wanted to go on Monday, you could get a ticket. I think the the hottest ticket in town, and I think this is generally true for the Final Four, was was the Saturday night game because you have four teams. You got all the college coaches who were in there too. Uh, Monday night, it was full. Obviously, you could see the the scope. It was yeah. almost almost overwhelming to see this tiny basketball court in the middle of this cr- the sea of people. Yeah. I and mean, it kind of just gave this epic feel to it. And uh, you know, we showed up. In front of those 70,000 people in New Orleans, and they can't take that away from us.
2: I'll tell you what. This is our last show of the year, and Kansas won a title. And, and another text from the text line, are you taking calls? We haven't taken calls yet this year, but, Andrew, it's the last show of the year. K you want a title? Let's open up the phone lines. If anybody wants to join the show. Give us a call.
3: Make them good. Immaculate
2: vibes. There we go. Only immaculate calls only. 913-576-7610. We'll open up the phone lines for the rest of the show. We got about 45 minutes left. So if you want to get in on the conversation, give us a call. 913-576-7610. This is Jayhawk Talk Radio.
4: You're listening to Jayhawk Talk Radio with Kevin Meckley, Andrew Payne, and Nick Schwert on 610 Sports Radio.
2: Jayhawk Talk Radio, 610 Sports Radio with Andrew Payne. I'm Nick Schwert, Chris Tenpenny, aka Dimes producing this thing, and the phone lines are lighting up. We said, you know what? Let's take some calls. KU won the ship. Last show of the season. And uh we asked, you delivered. Let's go out to the phone lines. Tim from Lawrence joins us on Jayhawk Talk Radio. Tim, what's up, man?
0: Hey guys. Uh first I want to tip my cap to Charles Barkley. Um, uh, you know, was unfazed at halftime. And then at the end of the game, we watched him do a little troll dance right behind Kenny Smith. And <laughs> Kenny kept waving him off the whole time, like, you know, I know, I know Kansas just won. I know you said they were going to kick the crap out of him, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, the, probably the coolest moment is, is right around that six or seven second mark, um, we are, my son and I are literally waving at all the, the Carolina fans that are walking out. We're like, hey, you know, say hi to Coach K. You know Kansas, birthplace of North Carolina basketball, and and then we throw the the ball to Dewan Harris. He steps on the the you know the out of bounds uh-huh. line, and and the first thing I look at my son and every Jock fan that's right there. We all say, "Oh crap, Brady Manic is going to screw us." The, the basketball gods are going to allow him to hit some ridiculous forty five footer. To send it to overtime, and then, you know, uh, Bacot, who's been on a exercise bike the whole time, is going to come back in with a cortisone shot in his <laughs> ankle, and he's going to get like 25 and <laughs> over. So it was awesome. We got back at midnight. It was worth every penny. Thanks, awesome.
2: Guys. Hey, thanks for the call, Tim. Yeah, you know, uh, we talked about this a little bit earlier. If Dewan Harris, you know, stepping on that line ended up costing KU the game, oh. I don't know. I don't want to think about it all that much, but
3: it's one of the. One of the saddest, we won't dwell on it, but one of the saddest what ifs in history. Like, what if? How do you come back from that? You don't. You don't. Like, as a fan. You, uh, be, and let's get into this. The fans at Allen Fieldhouse had already stormed the court. They had already rushed out. I mean, and to, to our credit, we don't know much about storming courts at Allen Fieldhouse, but we've done it for national championship games on the video board. But Talk about all-time backfire. You rush the court too early. You step on the end line. Uh, luckily, it didn't matter. Thank it goodness. Didn't, and, and Brady Manic, you know, trips and falls and uh, the, the ball, air balls, and we, we win the title. And there we are. But, oh, man, for a second there, pretty nervous.
2: Oh, yeah, that was the moment I said, please, no, <laughs> please, no. The, the game is over. Let's get out of here. If you want to call the show nine one three five seven six seven six ten, Levi from Topeka, you are on Jayhawk Talk Radio. What's up, Levi?
6: Hey, what's going on, guys? How about that win?
2: How about that win?
6: That's awesome. What a what a great team win! Uh, can't be more proud of these guys. You know, uh, you never know who who was going to step up uh, the night, uh, the game time, uh, let's, um, and bring in bring in some big plays. But I uh, just wanted to hit on uh, Christian Brown, a uh, small-town Kansas kid, uh, winning the national championship and uh, back in 2008 when Tyrell Reed was a freshman and won the national champion- championship as well. It's cool to see local guys from the state of Kansas uh, doing big things for, for KU and, and bringing home Natty's to, uh, to the university.
2: Well said, sir. Levi, thank you so much for the call. Yeah, Christian Brown, Burlington, Kansas, which is funny because he went to Blue Valley Northwest. you
3: yep. I have that right? Yeah. Huskies. Yeah. So, and let's not forget about other guys, you know, Ochai, little-known product from KC Moe. He played for that Moe Can team, that, you know, famous team in the city, big team in the city, but he didn't start until his senior year. I mean, he was a mm-hmm. little-known prospect. Uh, and then even Juan Harris coming from Columbia. These are all... Local guys. This is not like we're going and getting snipers from, from California and, and, you know, getting the the big guys from Chicago or, you know, whatever, uh, you know, other typical thing we've we've normally done. This is a, a product of a lot of local guys. And then we have other guys. We have Remy, obviously, coming from California. But these were uh, a good core of guys that, you know, from, from high schools that we're familiar with. Maybe we even watched them in high school.
2: So this is a really cool, uh, to that point. This is a really cool piece from uh, CJ Moore in The Athletic, which I think we've referenced a couple of times. The Recruiting Service Consensus Index, RSCI, started tracking rankings of college basketball recruits in 1999. And since 2001, when that first class track were sophomores, every national champion has had at least four top 100 players in its rotation until this year. Kansas only had two McCormick and Jalen Wilson.
3: Wow. Well, I mean, like Ochai oh ended up being that. But when he was recruited, he wasn't like he was a guy. He wasn't a guy anyone was paying attention to. What was to. he, like 130th coming out of high school? Yeah, and I think he was 130th after he signed here. It's Brown something. was like 150th. Right. And usually when you sign for KU, the, the recruiting guys say, oh, did we miss something? And they bump him up. So this, yeah, this is the Bill self bump. This is with the bump. This is yeah. with the bump. It's not the bump from 20 to 5 because Bill self recruited him. This is a bump from 300 to 150. So, it's it's weird to say that this is the team that did it because you got the name Kansas across your jersey, but this is not a a highly heralded team at least when they were freshmen.
2: I mean, you got one bona fide pro on the team and it's Ochi. I mean, Christian Brown will probably get drafted. Uh, I mean, he'll get drafted. I don't know if he's a first-round pick. I don't know if he's going to leave. We're going to get into that here in a little bit. Jalen Wilson will probably get a shot, but I don't think he's a first-round pick. This is not a team littered with future pros, and I know that's not the end-all, be-all on how to evaluate talent and how to evaluate college teams, but
3: just for comparison's sake, Duke has what? Five Five, NBA players on the roster? Five. Quite the turnover, and they're bringing five more in next year. But we just won a national title this way. I think this the, is the
2: way the bill self does it though. Right. There, because this, he needs guys to buy into his system and it's not easy to do
3: in one or two years. And some of those guys transfer. Some of those guys can't take it. Some of those guys want to get out. Yeah. Some, but pro- at some point, everybody wants to get out, but some of them stick around. And by the time they, they, and some of them hit it their sophomore year. Some of them hit it their junior year. And, and like Ochai hit his absolute peak echelon, his senior year. When you get to that level, you can put good teams together.
2: All right, let's go back to the phone lines. 913-576-7610 is the number. We always ask when we, when we screen calls, what's your name? Where are you at? Usually that means give us your name and what city are you calling from? <laughs> but sometimes people take that uh, to the next level. Lance is calling us from Walgreens. Lance, are you still at Walgreens?
6: No, sir, Nick, I am not. I had to pick up a replacement toy car for my little girl. She called me in distress earlier, so I had to make an emergency run. Afterwards.
3: There you go. Dad of the year. There we go.
2: What's going on, Lance? Well,
6: what I wanted to say, boys, is we made it. And, it and man, I was with you guys for the start of the show, man. It was rough. I was like, what's going on here, man? You guys started the show to get something going, and we're 0-2, and, and I could hear the doubt in your guys' voices. Like, do we really call this? <laughs> And I'm like, damn, what is going on here? This, this is supposed to be the Hawk Talk show. We're starting out 0-2. <laughs> so guess what, baby? It's so lonely at the top. Unless you got a little bottle of Remy to take up there with you. To keep <laughs> company. Let's go, man. I am still hype. I literally last night was wondering what would happen if I passed out after Remy hit that jump back three because I was watching it by myself. <laughs> and I said, you know what? If they win, I don't care. <laughs> let's go baby <laughs> Come on, come on, my homes in the in the Royals let's let's look at them Hawks and take take a note out of their playbook. I'll listen off the air
3: guys
2: Hi oh, man hey, love it Lance thanks for the phone call, brother. yeah um Remy Martin, you told us if they won we were going to have Remy Martin cocktails.
3: Yeah, we got it'll we'll, we'll do it All maybe, right. maybe I have it Maybe I didn't maybe you? May, we'll, we'll see. Wait, did you drink any Remy Martin? Of course I did. You did. Oh, you was delicious. Okay, I was just making sure you
2: were a man of your word.
3: Of course I did. Oh, what, oh. what was the cocktail called? It's called a View Carre. It's a New Orleans cocktail. It was this oh, is per- wow, was this perfect. This is perfect. It was it was the rock chalk rye from Jay Rieger. It was Remy Martin, some some sweet vermouth, um, a couple of bitters. It was the perfect cocktail for the perfect team, and, and uh, beautiful. Re- it was it was kismet. It was it was everything together.
2: All right, we'll go to one final caller here before we go to the break. Uh, Dan from KCK, you're on with Jayhawk Talk Radio. What's up, Dan?
0: Hey, Nick, hey, Andrew, how you doing? Uh, it started real good, 7 nothing. Then after that, it, it seemed like the walls were coming out. I wasn't discouraged. And the second that, they just picked it up more. And, uh, when, uh, Oshai tied at that 50 and then Drew and the j took the lead, I knew we had it, even though the Sean Harris stepped out you know, stepped on the line. I still was confident the defense was going to come through. And how about that rock chuck champions? What do you think? Uh, do you think, uh, I hope Christian Brown and, uh, and Jalen and Jaylen Wilson come back next year. And I know the, McDonald's All-Americans come in. So, what do you think? Do you think the team can run it back? What do you think, guys?
2: All right. Thank you for the call, Dan. Yeah, Yeah, great questions there, Dan. Uh, You know what? A lot was addressed in in a short amount of time in that call. But one of those things is what is going to happen next year? Andrew, there are some decisions that need to be made for some Jayhawks. Are they going to continue? Are we going to look ahead? Is it is it too early to look ahead? I mean it's the last let's, show let's of just, the year. Let's just peek. Let's, okay, let's we'll just take just a peek. okay. We'll take a quick peek ahead on the other side. Remember, if you want we'll, we'll keep taking calls. So if you want to call the show, 913-576-7610. We're gonna take a look ahead to the offseason for the Kansas Jayhawks, your national champion, Kansas Jayhawks, coming up next.
4: Jayhawk Talk Radio, a KU show by the fans for the fans on 610 Sports Radio.
2: All right, j Talk Radio rolls on here on a Wednesday night, a beautiful Wednesday night, a championship Wednesday night. By the way, uh, the championship parade for the Kansas basketball team will be Sunday at 2 p.m. in downtown Lawrence, Kansas. Are you a parade
3: guy, Andrew? I didn't go in 08, but I love a parade. It'll be a good Lawrence weekend. You have the spring game on Saturday. If you want to talk KU football, or at least, you know, it's a good family activity, and then stick around for the parade on Sunday. What what a weekend in Lawrence. Last week was was pretty good, too. This weekend, a little more family-friendly.
2: A little more family-friendly, but nonetheless, a fantastic weekend. And like I, we joked earlier, I don't know how to handle this offseason. I know how to handle offseasons after losses. First, there's the... Uh, disbelief. Then there's the completely ignoring sports for Shut two down. to four weeks.
3: Not just college basketball. Any sports. Ignoring.
2: I'll watch the Masters.
3: That's that's a come that's a comeback because that's quiet. Well, it's always the next it's, week. It's yeah. relaxing. But at that
2: point, unless you played in the Final Four, you've already had a couple of weeks to yeah, get over it's it.
3: It's time. But if it's and if if you make the final four, you can have a little bit of like, okay, we got somewhere. I mean, I didn't didn't necessarily feel that way in 2018, even though it was a horrible loss. Yeah. But otherwise, like it takes a while to come out of it, but not this year. No. How do we deal with this newfound uh success? <laughs> how do we deal with success? I don't know how to deal with success because normally
2: you then you you start looking towards, okay, who's coming, who's going. Uh, what's the rotation going to look like? You file your complaints. You're, you're checking the way too early uh, top 25 rankings. I haven't done any of that yet.
3: I've done a little bit of that. <laughs> Just a little bit. <laughs> like I got I to gotta get my fix. I got to get something. I've been reading the athletic every morning. Of course, I'm going to read that, you know, come Tuesday, come Wednesday. I'm going I'm to check it out, but there's, there's some questions that, that we do need answered at least for this. this okay. Off-season. What are the questions we a- need? And to that's answer? question. You know, number one, what's, well, the overall question are, are, is, you know, what's this team going to look like next year? But I think the focus is CB, Christian Brown. What okay. is – what's his decision like? I think it goes without saying that he will test the waters in the NBA draft. So, you know, in a week or two, probably even sooner than that, we'll see Christian Brown post on Twitter and Instagram his little, thank you, Kansas, I am now putting my – my name in the half for the NBA draft and, and reserve the right to come back, blah, blah, blah. You'll see that from yep. him. Yep. That will happen. 100%. Don't be surprised when that happens. The real question is, is does he take the Ochai Abaji track or does he get some feedback that, you know, maybe he's a first rounder. So the title makes things
2: a little bit more complicated because whatever percentage chance you had at him coming back next year, it has to, to be lower now that Kansas won the title, right?
3: Nothing left to prove. I mean, nothing left to, left to prove unless you think you can win it next year. I mean, you could be a legend. You could I mean we haven't had back to back titles since Florida, and even before that, it was the the Duke teams in the early early nineties. Yeah. This could be that could be absolutely legendary if you think you could do it. Uh, but he doesn't have anything left to prove. No, well, I, I, as a team, in terms of team accomplishment. Yeah, because here's
2: here's where I'm at with. With Christian is that I'm not convinced
3: that he's not in the exact same spot which I was in last year. I think he's in the exact same spot. They they averaged nearly the same amount of points. Kind of had
2: and they're the, they're, they're like mock draft status is in about the same range. You know,
3: late twenties. Some some of them don't even have him in the first round, but everybody likes him. They just don't quite know where to put him. You know, is he? a first-round player, can he can he provide for us this year? Ochai proved that he could do that. And Ochai, if you read that C.J. Moore article, speaking of the athletic, he's getting a lot of pub today. It showed what he had to do going through that process and how that process put him in the position to be the player that he became. You know, yeah. this this we just put him on Mount Rushmore, Nick.
2: We, uh, did, we did put him on the Kansas <laughs> Mount Rushmore.
3: But CB could end up being a similar player. And you see that he's got some things that he can work on. I mean, we've seen that.
2: He, I'm scrolling through big boards right now, and it's all over the place. Late twenties. I've got. I've seen him in the
3: 40s. I've seen him in the 50s. I mean, some of them don't mention him, and I don't know if it's just they don't they don't they don't know enough about him, or but like he's he is an NBA player. It's just is he an NBA player this year or is an NBA player next year? So here's where
2: I'm at with Christian, and this is not necessarily uh, an advocacy for him to come back, but. If I'm looking at him as an NBA scout, I'm saying, okay, you got a lot stronger. You got much better at, at scoring in transition, at, at being physical finisher at the rim. But that's what the whole offense was predicated on, was getting CB and OJ and Jalen driving lanes, getting them downhill and scoring at the rim, getting them out in transition. He never really showed the ability to create create his own shot off the dribble. I think the biggest knock against him was that he seems to be hesitant with the shot. Which and is... I don't think it's a yips thing. I think it's I think it's a form thing. I think there's something about his form. There's there's this extra little hitch that, for whatever reason, just doesn't allow him to have that quick release like guys like Devontae Graham or Sveen Mykailuk had.
3: And he'll need that in the NBA. He's And when he goes to the NBA, that's what he's going to do. He's going to be asked to shoot a lot of threes because in the NBA, if he's driving the lane, he's not going to go 50 for 50 on dunks or whatever he was, whatever we figured out his, his dunk rate was this year. It's not going to be 50 for 50. He's going up. He drives in there and Deandre Ayton's waiting for him. It's not going in. He's got to do something else. He's got to have that tool. And Ochoa had that tool in the three. It's, it, we, and we know he can shoot. We yep. know CB can do it. It's just like either fundamentally or some kind of form issue uh, or even mental issue that he's got to get figured out because he's going to have to shoot a lot of threes in the NBA. That's how the game's played now. It's not this bill self 1990s style of basketball.
2: If I'm Christian, I'm looking at what I'm looking at what Ochai just did in saying why can't I do that? And and unless he's just saying, unless like you said earlier, I already won the title. So like, I don't really care about coming back and, and getting individual accolades. But the flip side of that is that you come back and have a 20 point per game type season. Instead of being a fringe first round pick like Ochai, you could become a lottery pick. And I'm fully aware that those stories are fewer and far between. And Ochai, and CB, I don't think people realize like he's big. He's like six seven. He's got legit NBA size, legit NBA athleticism. But at that next level, like you said, like you're gonna have to be a knockdown shooter. Otherwise, I don't know what your role is.
3: Who do you think was the face of college basketball this year? Not necessarily the best player, but like the face of college basketball. Man. Chet Holmgren. Right. Or Drew Timmy. Yeah. Right. Or maybe Paulo Banquero in the second half of the season.
2: I think it's right. Holmgren only because of the fact that he's built like a pterodactyl.
3: But next season, I think you have a case that if Christian Brown comes back, that he is the face of college basketball. He, You, you could take him to a marketing company and you could say – you know, the, the McDonald's commercial, and they're going to put a McDonald's, but the McDonald's commercial that airs, you know, in between commercials on Big Monday, you could put Christian Brown's face oh, there. Oh, 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 this is interesting. NIL money. That's that's what I'm getting at, is that if you are the face of college basketball, there will be NIL opportunities for you. You're not just another player coming back who's good. You have marketing opportunities because you just won the title. This is unique to him in this situation that no one else has. How much
2: money can a guy like Christian Brown make
3: in a city like Lawrence? It's got to go beyond Lawrence.
2: Because we have no idea right now. Because this whole first year was schools scrambling, trying to figure out stuff on the fly.
3: And they were really doing it on the fly. They were ill-prepared. And I think it's a fraction. It's, you know tiny, minuscule percentiles of what it will be. I mean, guys were getting paid to do social media posts for Buffalo Wild Wings. Like, that's not what the NIL deal big deals are going to be in the future. It's not going to be this mishmash, uh, you know, small social media things. It's going to be spokesman type stuff. It's going to be real. There's going to be real money there. I don't know if it happens this year, but it will eventually happen. But Christian Brown has that opportunity. Jalen Wilson. Jalen Wilson I, you know, he he tested last year, but he's not
2: nearly the pr- the prospect that Christian is. No. I mean, it's not even close. And I, think, I don't even know if he'd get drafted.
3: I don't think he would. I, it'd have to be like he's ready to move on. And let's not forget, like he had a whole season. This would be his senior season in terms of academics next year. Uh, so it's not yeah. like he's, you know, just a sophomore, a lowly sophomore that like I got to put the work in. Now, he's been around for a, a while. Uh, so I think he should come back. I don't, unless he wants to be done. I mean, he won a title. If he wants to go, try to go pro play in the G league next year, he can do that. But I think he's probably better served uh, being a real leader on this team, being the the guy on this team next year. Uh, I think there's going to be opportunity for him. Like there's,
2: there's either, guys leaving. Either one of those guys have to look at it and say, winning a national championship just increased my marketability tenfold. Ochai's gone. Dave's gone. Remy's gone. Mitch is gone. My team, either one of those dudes, or if they both come back, my team, I'm running the show. I'm the face of Kansas basketball. But I think more importantly, Andrew, I'm the face of the defending national champs.
3: Going to be on TV every night, every game you play with target on your back, just like you want it. I mean, it's going to be and Christian Brown would, by the way, like you said earlier, would be the perfect
2: face for college basketball because of how animated he is and how funny he is to watch.
3: Right? It's a it's it's Grayson level esque, Grayson Allen level esque, like not as much. I don't hatred. get
2: the sense that like, and maybe I'm totally wrong here. I don't get the sense that opposing fans hate him the way that everybody collectively hated Grayson Allen. No,
3: no, not yet. <laughs> maybe
2: next year. The tripping. <laughs> The, the, and, and, and I get it. A lot of people don't like Kansas, but the, the hatred for Duke, I think is probably a lot stronger than it is for the hatred for Kansas.
3: Yes. Yes. But maybe we aspire to that. <laughs> maybe maybe there's, a, <laughs> there's a level we can reach and, and, and CB can take us there. But like, you know, you know what I'm saying is that he, everyone knows who he is now. We just mm-hmm. had this, this hugely watched national championship game. Great season. Oh, this is this is the guy. This is the guy that screamed like John John Claude Van Damme uh, at the you know when he made the bucket. and he just screamed in slow motion. Like this was this was the guy who was getting the publicity. And so I think that changes his decision calculus about whether he returns. I don't know if it changes it, but in terms like it certainly puts a weight on. If I do come back, I'm not gonna get zero dollars. I'm gonna have something. Give
2: me your prediction right now. Both those dudes. Uh, Jalen stays, CB goes, I think they both come back. Okay. I I hope you're right because I, what I do think, and and I've, I don't know a ton about the NIL stuff, but what, like what I do know, and I've I've had some conversations with some NIL experts and lawyers who said that because of the way the NCAA handled this, not only were the schools ill-prepared. When the NIL stuff went into effect on July, in July last year, they didn't even have the infrastructure to become prepared. They didn't have any people on staff who were equipped to figure this stuff out. And that was why on the fly they're having to reach out, third-party companies coming in, handling NIL deals, trying to figure out how this is going to work. And I don't think we've even scratched the surface of how these kids are going to be able to make money. You know, there was a story about Oscar Shibway of Kentucky, and his agent was talking to Kyle Tucker, who's a, a beat writer for Kentucky, and said he, said he was on the phone with him, and he said, I'm looking down at a, an offer right now, a multi-million dollar offer for Oscar Shibway to come back to Kentucky next year. Now, Oscar Shibway is not a first-round prospect, and Kentucky's a different animal because... There is no other show in town, and there is no other show in the state. It, it, all that state cares about is Kentucky. I mean, those kids were driving Porsches as a part of NIL deals. So that's a different animal.
3: Not Toyota Camry's? No, not a Camry. <laughs> but
2: you know what? The gas, mile. I mean, you only got to put premium gas in a Porsche. That's and, and yes, right. And, and in by this the way, economy. In and this, this e- economy. By the way, those oil changes are like 400 bucks. <laughs> I mean, come on. So uh, I actually think Ramy may have gotten the better deal there, but – I mean, that was just the, the, the scratching the surface, I think, with a full offseason of NIL deals. And I wonder if that becomes a part of the recruiting pitch. And it, ha- it at least has to become a part of the equation. And yes. I think from a basketball standpoint, I, I just don't think those guys are going to get the feedback they want. I think they're going to go and talk to scouts. And, the, and Christian will get slightly better feedback than Jalen. But I don't think that anybody's going to guarantee them a first-round spot. Now, maybe they don't care about that. But it wouldn't shock me whatsoever, if especially with Christian. He comes back and says, all right, I'm going to come back, be the guy on this team, be an alpha, be a first-team All-American, improve my draft stock, make a little bit of cash while I'm in college, and then if I can improve my draft stock, then all of a sudden my salary goes up eight hundred, seven hundred fifty thousand $750,000 a year if I can bump myself up from the 30th overall pick to the 18th overall pick or whatever it is. Shout out to Dimes, by the way, for making me look that up earlier.
3: <laughs> and that that is certainly something you can do. I mean, Ochai is going to end up making more money lifetime uh, by coming back and improving his draft stock. Like that is a financial decision that worked out for him. I mean, it has to work out. It didn't work out for someone like Johnny Juzang who could have came out last year. That hurt him a lot. And so you look at these good scenarios and look at these bad scenarios. I think CB has seen the path He can see the path that Ochai just took. He can take it. He can be the guy next year. And uh, I think it's a a good math problem for him to have.
2: All right, we're going to wrap things up on the other side. This is Jayhawk Talk Radio.
4: You're listening to Jayhawk Talk Radio with Kevin Meckley, Andrew Payne, and Nick Schwert on 610 Sports Radio.
2: You know what, Andrew Chalk Jayhawk is right. That's right. This is Jayhawk Talk Radio. I am Nick Schwartz. Andrew Payne, Kevin Meckley left us uh, what seems like an eternity ago. We've been having fun here, we Nick. We have been having fun. We got dimes behind the glass and uh, the last show of the year, and it's a celebratory one because we knew last Wednesday we were going to do this show Either no way. matter what.
3: Either way, we'd come in here and tell you that it was a great
2: season. But that's the difference is if we would have done the other show, it would have been half everything that went wrong. This part sucked. That part sucked. And then the second half of the show would have been, you know, what we do every year. But, you know, but it was still a great season. They made it all the way to the Final Four. This team never felt like a
3: Final Four team. We didn't have to do any of that. It's just a party. Just one celebratory party that we've been having since Monday night about 1130.
2: Again, I would add it would have been a slightly more vivacious party had you brought the Remy Martin. Hey,
3: just wait. Just wait.
2: Okay, well, I'm waiting, and we only (laughs) got a few minutes left in the show. I don't know how much longer I have to wait here. But, uh, wow. I I, I mean, listen, I know that non-Kansas fans are going to paint this as, like, such a ridiculous take that, like, oh, these – these underdogs who had a bunch of unheralded recruits, like, give me a break. You're a one seed. You're Kansas. Uh, I, I, I totally understand that. I totally understand that. But the fact of the matter is, you can go back year after year after year, and there's no, you know, proper formula for figuring out like who the best teams are, which teams are going to have the most success in the tournament. But time after time. You can generally start with how many future pros are on this team, how many five-star recruits are on this team, how many guys who are going to, you know, get a second contract in the NBA are on this team. And those are the types of teams that usually make it to the final four. This team has like one NBA player on it. One.
3: This was not a team that could just show up. This was a team And
2: just like let their talent Right. Take
3: over. I mean, we forget. We don't forget. But Bill Self once had a recruiting class with Joel Embiid, with Andrew Wiggins, which with the future uh, uh, college basketball player of the year in Frank Mason and Wayne Seldon. That was one recruiting class, mm-hmm. one recruiting class. And that didn't. That didn't, team didn't do it. That team did not pull through. This team did. This team had to go through. Ochai had to go through four years. Ochai was redshirted, or he was. He started to have, mm-hmm. you know, his his redshirt didn't get pulled till January. You had Dewan, who didn't play much last year, who went through some stuff this year and, and and really turned it on. You had Remy, who had the injury, CB, who just kept getting better and better. Jalen Wilson had struggles earlier on in the season, and was bad for a while, and then turned it on. And Mitch has been here forever. Mitch was just, you know, Mr. Steady and uh, had to have him because this this COVID. Am I forgetting somebody? But everybody had to go. Th- and Dave.
2: Of course. And Dave,
3: Dave of course, our savior here. Uh, Dave is the one who, who got it done for us. So everybody had something that they had to overcome. You know what I just thought of? You said Dave,
2: our savior. If they're not going to retire his jersey, how about this? How about a stained glass window of Dave <laughs> it's with, like the, with like the prayer hands the no, ca- in the cathedral? No, not, the,
3: of, not the prayer hands. The raise the, raise the, the, roof. the roof. Yeah, raise the roof. Yeah. That's what I want. Yeah, exactly. In I love that in the cathedral. That. Raising the roof We're bringing Raising the roof back I'm talking like A two story Stained glass window It's the cathedral Of college basketball We need to act like it We need to make it More cathedral That would
2: actually Be the biggest That would be so much Bigger than any Jersey (laughs) retirement (laughs) To just knock out A wall On Allen Fieldhouse And put a stained Glass window on it But you know what
3: Today This one's today
2: That's what you get You got robbed Of the final four MOP So you can get A little something Extra on top of it Andrew, it's been a pleasure. We start, we you know what
3: we picked a damn good time to start to do a radio show. I think we got to keep doing it. Tell the powers that be, let's keep going. Uh, Really had fun, and on behalf of Kevin and myself, thanks to Six Ten Sports for allowing us to come in here, have some fun, talk some talk some hoops because it really is our favorite thing. uh, Just to come in here and talk about the. I don't think
2: I don't know how they could possibly argue that we're not going to get another run next year based off the success that we had. Thanks to you guys, it's been a hell of a
3: time. Love it. We had the best time.
2: For uh, dimes, Chris Timpany, thank you, sir. Kevin Meckley Andrew Payne. I'm Nick Schwartz. Rock Chalk. Jayhawk Talk Radio. We'll see you in the fall. It's for
0: my Jayhawk fans. For my Jayhawks. This for my Jayhawk fans. For my Jayhawks. This for my Jayhawk.
4: Jayhawk Talk Radio, a KU show by the fans for the fans on 610 Sports Radio.